Cine. Hey, oh, yeah. welcome. Welcome, everybody. This is Johnny Bean. Welcome to exclusively Van Halen, the weekly EVH show. It is April 22nd, 2022, 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern, 509 Pacific, out here in Santa Cruz, California. We got Jay Hannon. Hey, now. I was going to hey, hit man. something funny, but I can't find anything funny on these. Oh, okay. I just saw that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How about this one? There you go. All right. There you go. We got Kurt5150. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon, everyone. Hey, man. Hey. And as also very special guest tonight, we have Craig Parker Adams. We have our own applause. I, love it. <laughs> I mean the people watching are actually clapping right and where they're watching the show from so we're just i'd like form. to think so <laughs> interactive interactive clapping for craig yeah yeah we got ned as well that's there right he is. ned is here or awesome there. yes yeah yeah so uh Really quick, really quick. We've got the, these uh, these announcements we got to do really fast. How do we do that? Johnny's uh, running out of gas, eh? Yeah, I know. There we go. We have channel members here on Johnny Bean TV, and the top tier of channel members are the executive producers, and they are Dave Ennis, Vinyl Freak 5150, Mike Neese, Music Therapy Lies, Majestic PB and J Cat, Wayno, False Flag, Sherman Callahan, Andy Carson, Michael B., Arhabs, Warlag, The Chad, Get. Lawrence Lawrence Christensen, <laughs> Lindy Lou and Mary, James Gum, John Moronic, Paul Martin Woods, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, the Captain. The Captain, everybody. It's the Captain. Thomas Santiago, Joe Christian, Jim Ray Hawkins, David Allen Wright, and Steve Carmichael. That's the top tier of channel membership here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube. If you'd like to become a channel member, click that join button below, right below the 13 thumbs ups. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, if you'd like to help support the channel, support these shows, any super chats will change the color of my lights. You got, the, you got the guitar moir here. Those lights magically change right above Ned the Cat right there um and if you'd like to text the show or you could actually call us if you want 415 415-952-3263 make sure to add johnny bean tv to your whatsapp we're also live on facebook where we have facebook stars a digital gift that helps in the production of these shows and we're also live in the exclusively van halen group just under sixty-three thousand members evh gear live uh, group and page and the johnny bean tv facebook group as well uh what else i don't know 
Oh, leave us a review, please, over on Google. Just search Johnny Bean TV. Don't forget that. Please don't forget. All can right. You it, can you do it anonymously? Uh, no. Oh. You got to be signed into Google. Oh. <laughs> Man. You're right. Man, it's it's been a crazy week. Um, Van Halen every day, it seems like. Woo. There's been a lot of that, a lot of Van Halen news. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Craig. What do you, what do you what do you think about all this stuff that's going on? Well, it's a lot of kookiness, you know. Um, surprise right. for for I'm sure many people, and um, it it can kind of still go any which way, you know. To it, to me, I I figured it was a done deal. There there would be nothing that would be further, especially after Dave's press release and everything that he put out like a year. What you know when he canceled his whole all his gigs and he was you know, my health, you alluded to something's up with his health and, you know, so to hear that and and that it's been in discussions for a while, it's, it's kind of shocking to be honest, you know? So, um, that was my initial response. Like, Oh, wait a minute. So I guess Dave's not sick or what? I mean, cause that was kind of the talk that around the people that I spoke with, like that was the deal with that. But um, and then it's just it's just, uh, you know, you don't uh, I never thought of a, of a, a pairing with Satriani or a pairing with uh, Newstead or any of that sort of stuff. So that seemed strange. But then when you just get to think about it and you go back to like this band that inspired so many people, you know, it's like anybody and everybody could really fit in. It's one way or another. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure every most guitar players have a way of saying, you know, how how. Uh, they could show how they were inspired. Same with bass players or vocalists or whatever. So whether or not you like the lineup or whatever, because I don't, I heard another thing actually earlier today where something that Dave just recently put out saying that like there was like two of every artist or whatever, you know, because if somebody yeah. got sick, you'd need to have a, you know, that whole thing. And then it's like, oh, now here's a list of other names and it's, you know, so it's, it's, it's all kind of just wild and kooky. Um, but to me, if, if there was going to be something that involved, that involved all of that, obviously to me, the classic lineup, um, and then as far as who would play guitar and in my mind, if you had, if you had to choose somebody to do this, cause I'm not necessarily a fan of, of the concept of, of a tribute tour, you know, I think there's going to be all sorts of different types of tribute tours going on at all different levels, whether you have the, the tribute bands and the clubs. You're right. Like that's going to mm-hmm. thrive and flourish. And then just like they have the Hendrix tour, you know, they'll probably end up putting something together that's specifically like this for Ed. That's going to be some reoccurring tour, I would assume. I mean, yeah. it's it's he, he has the legacy to do that, just like Jimmy did. Right. But if the band actually wanted to go play and it was, you know, like the the, the big thing with those guys, to me, I, I really kind of have to say I would see his kid playing guitar. Mike on bass, Dave and Al. Wow. How's that for how's that for shocking? <laughs> to go, to, right? To add to all the shock shockiness of it. It's like, you know, if you to me it's like keep it in the family as best as you can. Um and I don't think that's what his son would want to do, but that's just my 
what I would say is like who 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 would I want to see playing his stuff is probably is would probably be him. Outside of that, then you're like you're opened up to all of these. It could be any lineup you put together and then give them a set list and have at it and celebrate the mighty VH, right? So mm-hmm. everybody's gonna have their favorites, who they who they think is it, oh Steve, would Steve be better than Joe? Well, probably. And he because he kind of fits because he he did the gig with Dave, right? Yeah. So yeah. but you right. got guys well, well Joe taught Steve. Well, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it, it could it could work, and so everybody's gonna have their favorites. So um I would just kind of try to be without stepping on people's who that who somebody else's favorite is, is just stand back and go, yeah, I get it. I understand why people would want to do this. But for me, it's kind of like it, it's like I said goodbye in that sense. Like I don't need to see them doing anything without Edward. I'm I'm good. So at that point, then you, you have to bow down to his legacy and then people wanting to tribute his legacy. And so you can't I can't get in the way of that. I have well, to just be like, more power to you, you know? Craig, you mentioned, and we all remember, you know, what was it? I guess it would have been, in, was it December or November when, when Dave came out and canceled all of his gigs, right? It was something like that. Yeah. Now, December. Do you, do you think maybe that's the reason why this whole thing, as Newstead said, fizzled out? Because maybe they maybe the whole thing was planned out. They were thinking about doing it. And then whatever came up with Dave, whether it's illness or whatever, Maybe he was like, I've got to cancel my own gigs. I can't obviously do a Van Halen thing, right? Do you think maybe that's the reason? Whoa. Uh, well, for me, I think, that, you know, for the, the Dave canceling his his run, his Vegas run, I think had other things to do with other things. And that, you know, like we probably don't even really know what's fully the reasons behind that. But, for, you know... From my understanding, he shut down a pretty cool band. You know, he had a good band going. You know, he had a great, a great player um, who's who's a local LA guy, Al Estrada. I've been hearing about that guy for decades. You know, Mm -hmm. so I was really, I was really happy to see that guy got the gig and was playing with him because I thought, you know what, that's beautiful. This guy's been slinging it for a long time, so I was really happy to see him uh, in there. Um, But. It didn't make sense to me why he was shutting things down. So I, I thought, okay, well, this has something like what he's alluding to with his with his uh, personal health and these other things. And so I I think the the whole idea of the reunion or, or not I shouldn't say reunion, but a um, a, a tribute show. Um, I was I was very surprised by that. So um, it's it's very hard for me to speculate. You know, I kind of feel like it's not going to happen. Um, and that there was a reason why it, it kind of all fell apart, like th- they were talking about doing it. But I just deep down for me, I feel like uh, it doesn't the logistics don't feel like they're going to work out in some way. Um, but uh, with with Dave pulling the plug, I mean, my understanding was he was selling tickets. There was a lot of people I knew were talking about very excited to go and see what he was going to be doing. Yeah, you know, people, people yeah. in the chat and stuff, people that watch the show and stuff were met. A couple people had tickets to go. You know? Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I knew people that were going to fly, move, you know, come across country to see some of those gigs. And so I don't mm-hmm. know how much of that is actually related to the pandemic, to his actual health, to ticket sales, to, I just, I really don't know. 
Um, but I am surprised. And I, I think it was because I actually heard uh, it was a couple of weeks ago where I actually heard about this, you know, this reunion with these guys. And, and when I heard the names of the people involved, I was I was I was stunned because, you know, you think of somebody like Joe, he has such a definitive voice in his playing that it's I don't think you can separate him. Just and, and I'm not saying that people want want him to do this, but for me in my life, the way I look at Ed is like it's like it's a holy ground unlike any other. And so, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say, but I, I think I think that that's almost a good thing. Like Satriani, like you said, he's such like you know it's him. He's one of those guys that when he plays, you know it's him. And I think he's so he's he's at that level where any guitar player that loves Eddie Van Halen even if they might not be a huge fan of, of Satriani's playing or, or music, they'll still respect him and say, you know what? I don't want Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani up there sounding exactly like Eddie Van Halen. I want Joe Satriani, you know, if he's going to play that stuff, play it, but do, you know, put your own, you know, put your own thing on it, you know? Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. And and the, the difficulty for me, what it, it more so is, I'm in that place of of uh, of trying to break away and and having the understanding of somebody else coming in and 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 um, and doing what they do. So it's just I'm, I, yeah. I I knew Ed. I'm I'm connected to him, and so it's it's part of me is like just leave it alone, and then the other part of me is like no, get out of the way and celebrate what this guy did. So I agree exactly what you're saying. You don't want somebody to come in and, and try and, and just completely emulate him. So yeah. it's just as a as the fan that I am, I have to I have to synthesize my feelings, my authentic feelings about that, because part of me doesn't want to see it at all. And <laughs> then the other part of me, like I said, is like, no, this the, the world needs this. People need to get it out. They need to celebrate this guy. And so I use the Hendrix analogy of the Hendrix tour. You know, and and so that's why I say anybody could do it. Any any guitar players is they could do their their version of how this guy inspired them and play these tunes, and and it would be unique and cool. And I would also say to you that to me the Van Halen sound is actually alive and well, and that's his brother. His, his brother is the sound of that band, and when you hear him playing drums, you're going to have all of that stuff that you want, it's going to be there. That's the, that's the very basis of what that band ever was. It's Al. Some would argue I, that, I, that mm-hmm. Al's snare drum is actually, I don't want to say, uh, what's the, what's the word? Um, more recognizable, I guess, than, than Eddie's tone. You know, some people I say, would, you know, his snare I'll drum, have, right? Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree with you on that. I, I'll share with you guys. I actually had this talk with Ed. And it was very, it was an unbelievable situation when I, when I told him this, but with, without getting too heavily into all of the, of what was the conversation was, the basis was, if you can imagine this, we're, we're sitting with each other, basically knee to knee. And we've just had, you know, a great hang and, and everything's going awesome. And I said to him, uh, you know, I'd like to share something with you and you may not agree with me on this, but it's something that I authentically believe. And so I, I, 
I just want to say this to you and, and you can take it for what it's worth. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I want to know, you know. And so to, just to cut right to the chase, we're basically face to face. And I, and I, this is after I fed him a question and he would repeat to me what I put out there. So I would say what I wanted him to say until before I gave him the answer. And so anyways, like I said, I'll just cut right to it. I said, this is basically after 35 years of me spending my life trying to figure out what it is that makes him tick or, you know, what's the source or what's the, what does it all boil down to? You know, what's, what's the magic here, you know, behind Ed and what he does. And, and I, I leaned into him, you know, and, and so I, what I just said, I had more succinctly put into words. So he, he repeated what I asked him. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, what does it all mean? So he's, his face is right here. And he goes, you know, what does it all mean? Like, where does it come from? And I told him, I said, it's your brother. <laughs> you imagine that, right? Right. Face to eye to eye. Just, it's, it's your brother. And he turned away like I punched him in the stomach, like I punched him in the gut. He couldn't <laughs> believe I said I said that to him. He just looked away like and looked down at the ground. Then he slowly turned back around and he leaned in real close to my face and he goes, you know what? You're right. Wow. His brother is, his brother is, is eventually he, he, he sent me a text afterwards and uh, he, he put it to saying, you're right about Al being the backbone. Okay. So, but that's the sound. It's it's Al is the mm -hmm. basis of that whole sound. And it, it became really profound to me when I saw Dave Roth play uh, with with the he basically had a, a, a Van Halen tribute band. It's his band. And then now he's singing this. So this is like back in 2000 or something. And I saw that. Yeah. Tour. Jay and I both saw that show, too. Yeah. And I and, and I something really interesting happened to me at that where I was watching the show and it's like anytime they played a Van Halen song. It wasn't happening. Even with the singer of the band, it just mm -hmm. wasn't happening. But then they do one of his songs from Eat Em and Smile or Skyscraper or one of the other records, and they sounded exactly like the record. Mm -hmm. They nailed it. But anytime they played a, a Van Halen tune, it wasn't there. And it's because the drummer did not have what Al has. And it's, so it's not just that snare sound. You're right about that. But it's that wash in the cymbals. Mm. Or you're not even really hearing the attack. It's just a frequency, you know, yeah. uh, that. And then, of course, his feel, his bounce and where he, you know, puts his. And so um, that's when I started realizing. And then, you know, after 20 years of making records with all sorts of different drummers and all this kind of stuff, it just it really became clear to me that that, oh, I see what's going on here. It's like because Ed could play on Beat It or mm. Starfleet mm -hmm. or. You could see him sitting down playing uh, Crossroads or something else, and he'd just blow you. There it is. There's that Ed magic that you, you know, that's got nothing to do with his brother. But when he plays with his brother, something else happens. And that something else is based off of that, you know, off of his brother. So that's why I say the Van Halen sound, with all the respect in the world to my mentor, uh, uh, Edward Van Halen, I, the Van Halen sound is still, it's still here. So you'll see that when it, if if Al goes out and plays, you will see that it's like wow, I, it's, it feels like how everything is going to be there except, of course, Edward. You know, and that's yeah. what you said. You know, Satriani could fill in. Zot, I mean, just anybody could could 
I heard Steve Lukather today is another, you know, so, you know, I mean, the, main thing the identity. Is, well, sorry, Craig. No, no, go ahead. The identity. What about the identity? <clears throat> yeah, the identity of the brown sound really is Alex's drum sound. Um, right. And a lot of people confuse it with Eddie's guitar tone. And um, right. Eddie's gone out there and said that, no, it's Alex's drum sound. Um, so I think you guys are right. Even Dave said when he that he named the band after Al, right? So there's a spirit there in some ways, and 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 just to the listener knows, it's like I, I am tied with the the biggest Edheads in the world. Okay, so I'm not trying. There's no disrespect in this. You just have to understand what we're actually talking about. And a drummer can make or break a record. Oh God, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's so important. And and Al, as we all know. Has never, in my mind, he's never got his full due for really what he brings to the table, and mm -hmm. um, also, also, it's like, do you know exactly who 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 he is when uh, when a Van Halen song starts? Like, just think of little guitars, the intro with the drums, or just anything. It's like, who sounds like that? What drummers have you heard? Just because you play it doesn't mean it has everything involved. You know, that whole, that feel that uh, there's so much, it's such a complex um, buildup behind what he's doing. You know, like I was talking to somebody recently about like when Ed played an A chord, it wasn't just an A chord. It was like the earth opened up. There was so much more <laughs> to it. You know, and Al has that power too. When he touches the way he plays, it's 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 really special. And um, I think that that's one of the the that's what's what's going to happen. Regardless, is is Al is going to get um, not that he wants it or anything, not that I know, but he's going to get the folk or more attention for what he deserves. You know, because he really is a such a huge part of what that band is. So I think when people go to the show, like if they if they do do something and they do go out, um, that they're going to be like, they're they're still going to get that feeling that we got, you know, to some degree, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's going to fully be there. Um, so, right. anyways, I don't know yeah. if I've rambled too much about that sort of stuff, but uh, no such thing oh, when we're talking awesome. about Van Halen. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Sherman Callahan. So, Thank you, Sherman. And you know what's funny is for those who have you guys read the book Eruption in the Canyon? Have you guys mm, seen that book or read that, that book? Do you know what I'm talking about? Kurt probably read it four times. I know of it. I've never I don't have it, but uh, okay. Well it's a it's a pretty incredible book and it's got great photos and all this stuff. And 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 so the stories that were going on in the band back around 2004 or five, you know, if if I would have said what I said to Ed in 2014, back in 2004, he probably would have decked me. <laughs> but he, I'm serious. When you read that book and you hear about some of the stuff, you know, it's like, I don't think he would have liked what I said, but because of the experiences that we had, how comfortable we were with each other, mm -hmm. I could speak honestly and openly with him. And he knew, he knew I was being authentic and he was smart enough to, 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 to understand that Craig's not trying to insult me. He's actually sharing something, his brother. Yes, right. But in it, but in it, in kind of a roundabout way. And so Ed brought it to. You're right about Al being the backbone of the band. 
where the, the what I was basically saying is your 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 uh, your magic power Ed's coming from your brother because he's 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 illuminating you in a, in a very interesting way that you can't necessarily do otherwise but he knew that that's not what I meant you know what I'm saying so yeah. that was just a, another testament to, to what a cool guy he was you know uh, so anyways see I think the the you know, I don't know if either one of you guys had a, a question or, or something to, to piggyback off of what Craig's saying, but my whole thing with that whole, you know, when Newstead did the interview and said what he said is like, you know, if I'm the person interviewing, I've said, I think I said this on the show last week, guys, that like whatever questions I had planned after Newstead said what he said about a Van Halen thing going on, it, the crump, papers crumpled up, thrown away. <laughs> I'm, it's Van Halen now. So, and that's the thing. Was it like, were they going to call themselves Van Halen or was it going to be something where they go out and, and they play a, a chunk of songs and they have other people come up? And is it like, like you said, is it going to be something like a, a Hendrix experience type tribute thing? Collaboration. But yeah. I don't want to, you know, I I'm, I'm cool if they do some kind of tribute thing, but I would, it would be cooler if it was like more than just four guys. And I know, obviously, Roth and, and Alex would be, you know, the two original members. But to me, that's weird. I'd rather see like a, I don't want to say a rotating band, but or a lineup, but just like a celebration. Like, okay, these guys are going to do these two or three songs. Then we're going to have so-and-so jump up and almost like a big party. Like, hey, who want, you know, that type of thing. That would be cool. That's cool. Right. It is. And you, and you know, it's mm -hmm. what, what would what would lend itself to that is that every town could be a different deal because yeah. there's different players in every town or around every town or in that, you know, area or however you want to do it. So it, it could be done. And, and it, as opposed to, because the other side of that is like some big event, like you're not going to take that event on tour with all those different people, yeah. you know, yeah. who's going to fund it. And all, so that's not going to work. But if there's a basic core to it, that just shows up. And then in this town, these people come in and are a part of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, in terms of like a, a tribute, you've all seen by now that that band at the football game or whatever that put together that tribute recently. Is that, do you guys know what I'm talking yep. about? Where they're there. Okay. Like yeah. that's a tribute. That's amazing. What those, what those, what that is, what is that a high school band or a college band? What, you know what was, I mean? It's like a marching yeah, band, and they're it's like, like it's like college or something. Yeah, it was, where they're doing yeah. they're doing all the different like Ohio. shapes. Oh yeah, and, yeah and okay. stuff. Mm -hmm. that's a tribute. You, mm -hmm. it, that probably took quite a while to just to, to literally to orchestrate that whole thing. Like that's amazing. Now, but if you had to take that on the road and you had to pay, you know, travel expense, it's like no, 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 that's not going to work. Yeah. But if you have a score written out, you can have the local symphony playing. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to bring symphony to symphony to symphony. It's like you just put it in front of them and they can do it. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It, it could be something like that with different bands, different musicians at, at all sorts of different levels. So I think ultimately you're you're going to see things like that organically happen anyways. Yep. Just like who who put that football game thing together? Was that just the guy who who as the who's the music coordinator for the marching band was it that person's idea because that's a heavy duty deal to you know how long to learn all the moves to move it like that to get it calculated so yeah, they, didn't they do one i don't know if it was ohio state it was some other college band i thought did 
the same thing with like a Michael Jackson one a couple of years ago where they had they had him like moonwalking across the field. Yeah. Like all yeah. these people wow. moonwalking. It was awesome. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You don't just yeah. do that in a week. No. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's 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 to me, it's just like, well, you can pontificate on all the possibilities. I mean, it's just in whatever you can come up with, certainly his his music, their music uh, warrants it, right? Because You've seen probably seen uh, performances of some of Ed's stuff done classically on piano. Have mm-hmm. any of you guys ever seen that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. So it could be done right. at whoever's got the imagination. And, and then, it, you know, it's just how do you get the funding and the insurances and all of this sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. but I definitely see a, a, a guitar oriented Hendrix type tour, something like that working up and, and like a, an annual thing like a g3 or four or you know however, however those things work yeah. you know um because it's an endless celebration just like you go and see uh you know bach or mozart or whoever you know whichever classical you know great from the past where they're still playing their music it, it deserves that uh, i think and i know you guys yeah. do too so. and sh- craig i don't think um there's a lot of people that don't want to see uh reinvented van halen go out on tour and i don't think that's going to happen um if there's going to be a handful of shows a tribute to edward not van halen 4.0 or 5.0 um and who knows if it's even going to happen i mean if you think about over the last 20 30 years everything was a surprise they did not leak anything or let anything out everything was a surprise so us sitting here thinking about it or trying to predict it, we're probably completely way off. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I've a- I asked this question as well, Craig, and I want to get your opinion. Would you rather see a Van Halen tour or whatever with Alex, Satch, Newstead, and Roth, or would you rather see a brand new band with Newstead, Alex, Satriani, and some other singer? <laughs> Because once you put I, I, two guys, once you put two guys from such an iconic band together, like if you put Roth and Alex with two other guys with a new band, it's it's it just it's just won't, you know, it's just not going to get a fair chance because instantly you have the voice and the drums of Van Halen, you know, it's hard to get a new band out of that. But you know, what what do you, what would you rather hear? Uh, um, I think I would, to be honest, I'd probably want to hear something different. And new there's because it's never going to be what it was. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that just needs to, uh, to me, just kind of be what it was and there it is. Okay. And fortunately there's lots of recordings and videos and things of that nature. And, you know, that'll never be recreated in its, in its real form. So it's best to just leave that be and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now, outside of that, these are living, breathing artists and and then also you have the legitimacy of the energized fan who needs to do something as well it you can't mm-hmm. you can't just fill yourself up with these gifts that this all this inspiration and not synthesize it into some sort of action like you you have to do something so i see it as all sorts of different things but to get straight to your question, if I had to pick and choose, I would say, yeah, I don't want to see any kind of tribute at all. And I'd rather just see these guys go on and try and create fresh things from where they are. 
you know, I, that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see them do original stuff and keep trying to inspire us. But if you go out and you try and do what you used to do and you're not the same person anymore and, and, you know, it's to me, it, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't want to see that. Yeah. But I, I, but also too, I mean, you did ask me, so that's why I'm saying, but at the same time, I have to not step in front of somebody else for something that they might want, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. Alex has like been that. performing for 45, 50 years. Um, if he wants, if he has the itch to go do something, it's in his DNA. Um, Just like Charlie yeah. Watts did, right? Remember Charlie Watts, yeah. how he had his jazz oh, yeah. band or what? It's like Al is a, is a talented dude. Is you know, obviously he plays piano, he plays guitar, you know, he plays sax. I mean, I mean, who knows? So I would just inspire that or, or stand behind like, yeah, keep growing. You, you're not done. You're still mm -hmm. here. You're breathing. You, you, you know, everything's working. So that means you can still grow. <laughs> so I would love to see, see that. And because I tell you what I wouldn't want to see is him behind the drums going, I wish my brother was here. You know what I mean? And that's going to be tough. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to see him go through that. Right. You know, so I, I want to see him smiling and, and just kicking ass. And so and if he can do that with these other guys and it shows and it's authentic, then great. OK, if that's what you want to do. No problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And then also I have the bias, you know, I saw Van Halen's last show, which was under the stars in the hometown. And I think what kind of better, none of us knew that was the last show when we were there. We didn't know that. But then when you think about it, it's like, what better way really instead of in front of the hometown audience and under the stars, you know, they never played mm -hmm. the bowl before. So there, there is a certain kind of beauty to that. But then again, you got fans all over the world. So I don't want to, you know, I hate to be so wishy-washy with this because, you know, I just don't want it my way and that's the way it's got to be because, you know, there's a lot of variables. So, you know. Yeah. And there's so many fans. I mean. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and I I would love to see Alex do what, whatever Alex wants to do. I would love to see him do that, whatever it is. Agreed. He he deserves yeah. it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We stand behind that unified. <laughs> yeah. So no for no problem. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see six months from now what's new with all of this. What what you know? Because it's like oh, it, which it could go any which way. You know, it, it's it's wide open. Yeah. So. Well, Newstead obviously doesn't doesn't understand Van Halen, the world of Van Halen, because he, uh, Kurt sent me sent me a, an interview or a, a blurb from him yesterday. I think it was right, Kurt. Yeah, he doesn't Podcast. understand like how it blew up, and he's not doesn't know if he's going to do interviews anymore. It's like you you were in arguably, well, not arguably, you were in one of the biggest bands on in the in the universe. Mm -hmm. And you don't know that if you mention something about Van Halen and you doing something with Alex and Roth and Satriani, that it's going to completely smother what you were being interviewed about. And it's going to blow up bigger than you could ever imagine. Like, how did you how did he not think that that was going to happen? Oh, by the way, I I was going to be doing yeah, turn the punch. Come on, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was, I suppose, yeah, was that, 
he, he wasn't supposed to say anything as my guess. I mean, how did it, I didn't hear his interview. Are, right? so, yeah, Seth yeah. Johnny alluded to that. He said, you know, usually with anything Van Halen related, you have a uh, gag order. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He, he wasn't supposed to say that. And, but he just kind well, of music said related not, period, really not thinking about you never it. know things are going to pan out. Right. What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that now, now he's mad. And Johnny or now. Huh? Do you have Wolfgang's uh, latest quote he just put out today? I saw. Well, no, this was this was yesterday. Um, Yesterday. He put out a a tweet, but then he he deleted it. So it's gone. Um, (laughs) How many? It's never gone. How many screenshots were taken of it? I know. I know. I, I, I saw it. Here it is. All right. Let me let me let me read it. Yeah, Metal Sludge. Metal Sludge has it. Um, let's see. I believe this was yesterday. Wolfgang Van Halen tweeted out, "Well, well, with the world, well, when the world is breaking down my door for a week, talking about some dumbass reunion that isn't happening, and insulting me in the process, I felt the need to clear things up. Just let me suck with my own band and fuck off." <laughs> That's what he tweeted out. Quote, unquote. Um, yeah, yeah. I like and it. Then... <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, and then he deleted it. He deleted it, so it's it's not out there anymore. But um... that was pro- He probably deleted it by somebody suggesting that you should probably delete it. But he, what you just yeah, got there was some pretty straight-ahead authenticity. You know, I think... Uh, He's just trying to, to, I'm sure it's just missing his dad tremendously, but, you know, trying to get his stuff off the ground. And then everywhere he goes, he's being asked about that stuff. And that's just, you know, that's a hard thing. That's the the yang of his yin, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. that's he's in that seat. And so it comes with that territory and he has to transcend it. And so... It's. I think you can hear that there's frustration in that. And then also, too, I, I would agree that, yeah, that whatever it was that they that they were trying to put together, it, it's not happening. That much we know, like, you know, that that's what they said. Like it, it, it fell apart. It didn't go anywhere. There was talks about this, you know, that kind of thing. So um, and then we get back to this classic Van Halen fan where we're ravenous for you know what they do and the possibilities you know and and Mm -hmm. that just says so so much i mean that to me always it directs you back to what those guys create when they do something and why does it have the ability to dig in so deep with us you know i mean that's amazing if every artist could do what they do right and so i i i love there's something fascinating about why Van Halen can get to us in the way that they do, you know, it's very special. Yeah. And, and it's, to me, it's worthy of studying, you know, um, <laughs> in some sort of way, because there's something there to it. I mean, it's special. You, you, I mean, you can all, you all have stories. You've all met people from all around the world You and it just goes on and on. And there's, you know, it, it is there, there is a select amount of bands that get tributes, you know, like they have the tribute bands out there. There's a handful that, that do real good or that have been around for a while, 
Pink Floyd being one of them, maybe the Doors, but Van Halen is, it's a different level, you know, yeah. why, why is that? So, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's something truthful in the reason why there is, but what is it? It's not just Dave being sassy and, you know, badass and looking cool. That's part of it. You know, it's part not just, it. I mean, it is, it's part, we all love that when we were young, right? The way that he, he, the other singers didn't talk or handle interviews like he did. And he, mm-hmm. he used to use words that I have to go look up. And I love that. Cause he, you know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> that doesn't happen too often. And so, that, but that's a, that's a part of it, but there's more to it. And then there's the notes. Like I said, when, Ed, when Ed played an A chord, you didn't hear an A chord like that anywhere on earth, the way he played an A chord. It was yeah. more, it was more in tune. It was more lock, locked into something. So there was something in his, in his bones, the way that he connected and tuned his instrument. And it was just something really special about it. And uh, I, I, I'd love to know if it could be dithered down to an explanation. I would love to know what that is because we've all been on the hunt, right? I can see all the guitars everybody has around. It's like, I get it. You know, we've all been on the hunt and there's a, there's a reason for that. There's, there really, there's, got, there's a reason beyond our understanding, I think, that makes us all go, what is this guy do? This is the way to go. He's he's why look at those striped guitars that are behind Jay, right? And and Johnny, you got yours back there as well. And Mm -hmm. you got the little one going right there, Kurt, and whatever. It's like (laughs) Kurt's got the little one. (laughs) Oh, you see it on his you can see it's on his Oh, you mean the guitar. (laughs) The guitar. Yeah, yeah. But the but the uh the point there's probably a regular size one around somewhere, but there's that's a little one on the shelf. It's okay to say that. And uh, I hate, I, I got my little one right here. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Still than Thank you. I feel better. It's bigger than mine, but I'll take what I got. <laughs> but you got to just look at that. Why, 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 you know, well, is, is there, it's talking to us at, a, at in our bones and we're all responding to it. Well, I think the reason, you know, the question I guess is, is we don't know. And that's, what's so intriguing about it is we don't know, but, he is one of the, I guess, very few guitar players that's considered, obviously, by the majority of people who play guitar to be the greatest guitar player of all time. But it's not just him playing the guitar. It's it's so many other things. The music he wrote, too. And that, mm-hmm. that's what people, it's like, yeah, he's obviously, you know, wizardry on that. What was the one, one thing? He does wizardry on the guitar. But not only that, like the songwriting, and he always, for the most part, played to the music. He didn't just do things, oh, look what I can do here. You know, for the uh-huh. most part, he played to what the songs called for. And he looks cool, too. And he looked cool as shit. Yes. <laughs> and he, had, and he uh, easily has the coolest guitar player name of, of all, to Eddie Van Halen. You can't get cooler than that name. That's right. Well, think, yeah. think about the first time you saw him live. Um, before they came on stage and he's, you know, behind his amps, not warming up, but like jazzing up the crowd. And it's like 20 years of of what you know of him in a matter of five seconds. And it's like, okay, this is why I'm here. And it just, it connects with you. Yeah. 
I, the thing that you just mentioned, the very first time I saw them for me is, is to this day, still my favorite time that I've seen them. And I've, I've, I've seen them many times and in many situations. Um, and most all of them were really cool. <laughs> and, but the first time was, uh, 1981, it was July 7th, 1981. I was, you know, 12 years old. And what you just talked about, um, when the lights went out at that show and I just, the, the, I remember tr like talking to my friend that I went to the concert with after it's like, I can only describe it as like UFO sounds. Like it, 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 I'd never heard anything like that because at that time, none of those things he was doing there, even though, like you said, it's like all of this, these years all thrown into just a, a, a minute's worth where he's just giving you everything, crazy harmonics, dive bombs, dive bombs, you know, super weird sounds, everything, um, you know, uh, whammy harmonics, just all this stuff that you didn't really hear on the records, only a little, a taste of it. But when the lights went out at that show and then he did what you just said, uh, I can I can still experience that moment. You know, I can I can relive it. I can experience it. I can hear it. Um, super special stuff like they just knew how to charge a crowd, you know, for sure. And that's before it even got going. So I'm just I'm glad you brought that up. I love that. The opening part of the show yeah. before the lights even come on. It's just so, so uh, our, our, our buddy Keith Campbell, he said, I think he means the first time he saw him was 7-17-81. So he saw them 10 days after you nice. saw him. Cool. Now, did the show that I saw, oh, wow. Keith, they, were, they had the rubble backdrop. They did not have the backdrop of the city that you see in the videos. So did you see the city backdrop with the scrim or was it the rubble city in ruins? Barney like Rubble. they have on, is that what he said? <laughs> no, no. I was saying Barney <laughs> Rubble. Never mind. Oh no. Well, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I'd have yeah, to see Jay, that. Okay, okay, okay. So I know this. Yeah, you know I do. Okay, so you, uh, Jay, you know, there's a there's an '81 Memphis video from the soundboard mm -hmm. out, right? Where it's shot from the soundboard. Have you seen it on YouTube? Johnny, can you pull up a screenshot? I'll look for one. Kurt, if you have one, if you could send it to me. So yeah, in Kurt, the, I know that video. Not going to be able to <laughs> tell what it is. So, so it, that show has the the this uh, city and ruins backdrop, so you can see it. So that whole concert is, has been put online, and that's the backdrop they had when I saw them. And that it, that was so tough. I mean, you know, when because they, they don't turn it on until Mean Street. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And then all and that's three quarters of the way through the show. <laughs> So you don't even really see it. You just see hints of it. It's because it's so dark. They had such cool lighting for 81. It was a very dark show, you know, and you, you get the big bright white when they do uh, everybody wants some for the Jenna, just big bright white. Yeah. But, but um, when they do mean street, then they start illuminating the scrim and then you see it's a city in ruins, rubble, broken, like a war zone. And that was, you know, with that sound of that band that year, and then being a little kid, it was like, it was powerful. Very yeah. powerful. So you were 12 yeah. when you saw wow. them for the first time. Kurt, how old were you when you saw Van Halen for the first 17. time? 17. Johnny? 14. 14. So I was... Shit, 16? <laughs> yeah, I was 16. I saw him 93. 
And wow. me, it's funny, Keith Campbell again. Keith Campbell and I, I didn't know him then. He didn't know me then. Right. But that was the fir- my first show seeing Van Halen, the Orange County Speedway in Middletown, New York. That show is actually wow. on YouTube as well. Wow. But, um, I mean, the same thing. Like, you just go. And it's it almost seemed like a dream, you know, as it was happening. You know, they they open with Mine All Mine. They come on the stage and, you know, they're doing the, the shuffle and stuff like that. It's just like, oh, my God, this is, you know, Eddie Van Halen is, you know, at the top. We, I backed off because it was so hot in the pit, whatever. But it was just the coolest, the coolest thing seeing, you know, yeah. Goosebumps, everybody. Goosebumps. Yeah. Mm. Here, I got a pair, Johnny. I'll send it to you. This is with the city. Oh, man, it's small. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> and I, I was I have a friend who said that th- those scrims are over in Echo Park in some warehouse, and he had seen them. Um, they're just hanging in a, in a, in a warehouse. Wow. They're like 40 feet by 40 feet wow. or something like that. Yeah. But that was cool that they had that they, they alternated that for that year. I never knew that I never saw any other tour for them where they had two different backdrops and would change from night to night. You know, it's pretty awesome. Just like Dave, you know, he had the white, the, the, his pants that were white with red, and then he had the black with red, you know. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That's right, Keith Campbell. Hot as balls that night. The hoses all over. Yeah, because um, what was it? It was July 5th, and um, Vince Neil, the Vince Neil band, opened up. It was his Exposed, you remember Exposed, that record, which is actually a great record. Steve Stevens on guitar. Yeah. So they opened up, and I remember, because we were down in front of like where Steve Stevens plays, so he stayed right. And it was just so hot, man. You know, all everybody just packed in. All you smell was B.O. and weed. And so they had the bounces in the front, you know, with just spraying, spraying the crowd because it was so hot. And it didn't take wow. long, man. I don't even know if we lasted the entire um, set for Vince Neal before we, like, me and my buddy backed out, like, got out of there because we were going to, like, pass out. Man. It was so hot in there. Man. Yeah. Wimps. Wimps. <laughs> Total wimps. Yep. Uh, our first time ever at a show by ourselves without my dad. Yeah, I saw him in 82 as well. And that was the first time I kind of got got up close with uh, Ed and Dave where I, I went to their hotel, you know, and waited for him. And uh, good for you. Yeah. And it, it was an incredible experience um, because t- t- when I got to the hotel, um, there was a limo there and I went up to, I, I saw the tour bus and um, there was, there was really nobody there. There was just me and a few of my friends and then like, just a few other people. And I went up to, I think now when I look back, I was thinking it was Eddie Anderson that I went up to because he was standing around with a walkie talkie waiting, you know? And so I went up to him and I'm like, I asked him if he was the bus driver. <laughs> For some reason he got real mad about that. Like, he didn't <laughs> He didn't like that. But I asked him, I asked him who was here. And he told me two of the guys were waiting on two of the guys, but he didn't say which two. And then he's like, you know, get out of here, kid. And so um, I was waiting across from the, from the limo. So, and I'm watching the main entrance of the hotel and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden out of left field, out of some other door, all of a sudden I, there's Ed 
there he is just by himself walking like 50 feet away coming closer and closer and it was like seeing it was otherworldly but ultimately he when he got into the limo um i went right up to the glass of the limo and he he slid in so his face was right like you know it's right here you know it's like <laughs> exactly that's right yeah <laughs> doing that and, and no, it, no, no it's the, like a david lee roth video were, the windows the windows were not blacked out the windows were not blacked out so there so there he was and I could see his his eyes were all bloodshot, and his, he had you know stubble all over his face and everything. And and I remember holding up my VH necklace to the to the window, and he <laughs> and he gave me the big thumbs up, you know. And I was all shaky and cool. stuff. And then I, I and then Roth came out, and and uh, I mean it was it was to see that at thirteen, right there in, in the middle of the Midwest where I grew up, was an incredible experience. Um, and then 1984, I had front row at Ed's feet. And wow. Dang. That, yeah. The, and it was like he played the whole show for me is how it seemed. It was incredible. He just kept coming over in front of me. He put a pick in my hand and I just absorbed everything. And that was amazing. Uh, and then the experiences just kept getting uh, better and better as time went on. Um but, you know, you just think back to those. I'm sure you guys think back to any of the times you've seen them. And all of a sudden, your energy level just comes up. Like you can, mm -hmm. it'll fuel you. And that's yeah. what I just love so much about, about those guys is that when what they did, it got it penetrated. It, it just went into your whole being like deep. And I should say, when I saw them in 1981, they did not play Unchained. The lights came wow. up. We all started leaving. Me and my my little friend, we start leaving. We walk outside the arena. And then we hear this huge surge of cheering. And you hear the noise again, like the opening of the show. And this must have been 10 minutes went by. You know, everybody's leaving. We're gone. We're outside. And now we can't get back in because there's no handles on the doors. I use my fingers like, you know, did everything I could to get through and, and, and got the door open, but now we're halfway around the, the arena. So we walk in and now we're straight across from the stage and the big VH came down and they played unchained. No True story, man. The lights came on and everything, everybody started leaving. And so it, it was the weirdest thing. I don't know why they did that, but uh, that, yeah, that, is, that is strange. Yep. Usually that that's that's the cue. Once the lights come up, totally it goes over. Yeah, right. Yeah, and we were we were there was hordes of people outside, and we're all just walking away. And then now everybody's trying <laughs> how to many get people, back in. How many people? Are like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, th thousands. You know, this is a climbing the 70, wall to get back in. All of it, all of it, and then and let alone we're already you know as Dave would say when you leave a Van Halen concert you're three feet off the ground. Well, he wasn't lying took like days to come down after a van halen concert your energy level is like just guaranteed yeah. insanely insanely up you know so, so obviously you're um you know you do the music engineering producing recording stuff now your first time seeing van halen was in 81 you were 12 years old how long till you actually wore earplugs to a concert was it right away or did it, did it take you a couple no. of shows of like not being able to hear the day after? 
No, I never wore earplugs to, to shows or concerts until I started kind of producing or engineering records way later in life in, into the 2000s. Wow. So th- th- that's that's when I really started protecting my hearing because all through the late 80s and 90s, I was also playing in, in a band. So um, and I did have some very minimal hearing loss um, on my right ear from a drummer that used to set up bongos on the side and hit him with a stick. So it's like getting chucked in the head with a golf ball, you know, every time. He did <laughs> so, so the, uh, yeah, instead of rototoms, he liked to, to do use bongos like that. And it was just like, <laughs> so there would be a deal, a deal where it's like, if you like closed a door or something or, or drop something, this ear would, would, would just like drop in level 10%. And I got it checked out and everything was fine. So there was no actual loss, but it's just, I have a, it, like the ear would protect itself really quickly um, is, is the end result of that. But yeah, so I didn't start really protecting my hearing until much later, where if I went out to do something the next day, I got to work on this record and it's like, no, I have to preserve what's going on. So oh, yeah. then I would, you know, so um, yeah, it's, that's uh, so luckily I haven't had any, uh, any, uh, you know, damage or anything, but it was, it, it, I think it was close for sure. So I, I you know, I want to share a story. I'll wait for, for Kirk to come back. Um, I'm going to share a story with you guys that, that I think you'll just find incredibly. Okay. You're back. So check, check this out. So I, I can't name names on this, but I'm going to tell you that this is a true story. So um, in my studio business, studio world, you know, making records and whatever for years and having a, a studio in Hollywood for 20 odd, 22 years, you meet all sorts of really cool and interesting people. And one day I'm doing a, a session with a pretty big time producer guy. And um, we end up getting into the conversation about Van Halen. And this gentleman tells me that he saw Van Halen for the first time in Japan in 1978. He was over there working with a, a different band at the time. And this is totally true. So I just want you to know, and I, I shared this story with Ed, so he, he knew this. This guy, because he was working for the label at the same time, and he kept hearing, like everybody kept talking to him, oh, you got to go see this band, this new band, blah, blah, blah. So he kept hearing all about, you know, he went to the show. I don't know which town it was in japan but i i kid you not he shit his pants <laughs> oh perfect it's like jay <laughs> he was sta- he, he, he was standing there watching them in in you know close to the front speakers and all of that and he was so blown away and so devastated by what he saw that he actually had a bowel movement and that's true blown away for sure. it, that is a powerful Man. statement. That is. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's <laughs> legit. That's real. That's the power of that band. That's the power of Ed for the first time when you've never seen or heard anything like that to just have that happen, right? And I, I really appreciated that he had the courage to tell me that story. And but also too, it's like, no hey, shame. that's what happened. No yeah, shame in that, right? It's it's a, a feather in Ed's cap. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you made me shit my pants. <laughs> right? For real. Wow. Uh, oh, man. Well, obviously, yeah. we're going to talk about Van Halen more. But someone's cooking. 
But uh, Craig, you have a new <laughs> album that is out. Yes. Um, do you want to discuss that for a few minutes? And uh, I'd be happy to. Anybody wants to pick it up, you know, tell them where to go. And uh, okay, yeah. well, thanks. Um, so yeah, um, this this record is it's called Vistali Buell. Vistali Buell is a term I made up for my life's journey as it pertains to my purpose, which turned out to be trying to extract everything of weight and merit that I could from Ed's example. It's a 40 year journey of an experience that happened to me when I was 12 years old in my childhood bedroom before two months before I saw Van Halen for the first time. So I tried to see Van Halen in 1980 um, and my parents wouldn't let me go. So, um, and it's funny because the show that I wanted to see at the St. Paul Civic is the, that's the bootleg from 1980 that's online. It's from the show that oh. I couldn't, my parents wouldn't let me go to. That's the oh, actual footage. No. How <laughs> cool is that, right? Oh, the Super so, 8. The Super 8. The Super footage. 8. That's, oh, cool. that's, that, yeah, so that's the literal show that I missed. Even though the audio is from Pennsylvania, the footage is from St. Paul. So I tried to see that April 13th, and that's why I released my record on April 13th, is to tie it in with that anniversary of the show they wouldn't let me go to. So anyways, I saw him in 1980, but what happened was is when Fair Warning came out, when Unchained came on the radio, that song was pretty much the first drop D I'd ever heard, but it's, you know, the magic that's in that tune, right? I mean, it's so many levels. It's just like, yeah. wow. And so whenever, when, yeah. when, we, when it would come on the radio back then, it would all, you'd always catch it like somewhere in the tune. Like you never caught it from beginning to end. It's like you turn on the radio, oh, here's that song, right? And you're hearing that song. And so I knew that I was going to see them, you know, for sure at that time. And so what happened is when the record came out, I borrowed the record from a friend of mine. And when I was listening to the record in my little childhood bedroom there on my older brother stereo when hear about it later came on song four on side a i had a life-changing experience where all of a sudden i was and i grew up in a musical household so i'd already been to concerts by this time and i you know was playing guitar for years by this time and um, just had a lot of musical experiences both my parents were musicians of sorts and so um what happened was, is basically I had my, my heart was actually removed from my body and I had an out of body experience at 12 years old and I couldn't I couldn't understand what was going on. <laughs> and and I, I could see my heart outside of me and I was just trying to figure out what is what is happening to my heart. And this is why the intro is playing. And then I literally had a voice come into my head and it said, you're going to spend your entire life trying to figure out how to do this. Wow. And I was like, what? And it's like, you're, there is a lifetime of seeking in this one artist alone. And you're going to spend your life trying to find out how to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's when it started. And so I, I made a declaration to myself at that moment, at that time. And it started me on a quest. And um, that quest, the result of that quest which started with Ed, brought me to Ed. So we became friends and he knew my whole life story. And there's a lot to say between then and now, how I, how I, my approach that I used, like 
I didn't go after Ed the way most people go after Ed. I had early epiphanies. And one of them was, is that I seemed to be more attracted to the way he moved his body and the way his feet connected to the ground when I would watch him play, that that would give me more information to how to do what he was doing in a better way, as opposed to watching his fingers and watching his hands. Like I, I had a realization where it didn't matter what notes he was playing because I used to work in a music store back in the early eighties and, and guys would come in and they'd, they'd play Ed's stuff and they'd play the notes, but it didn't feel right. And I was like, well, I don't understand. They're playing it. It's really hard, but they're doing it, but it's not moving me. What's going on here? And I started thinking there's something else to the notes that these people that I'm seeing firsthand that they're not exempt, they're not demonstrating. And that's when I started, like I said, I had front row in 84 and I'm at his feet. So I'm watching his feet everywhere they go. They're right in front of me. And I, you know, the stage is at that level and I'm just seeing it. And it's like, they're, they were just talking to me. And so my life was spent uh, trying to catch Ed by watching the way he moved in his feet. So my, my, approach to his vibe is is kind of different than the usual i don't i'm not i'm not doing any of his techniques per se like i'm not doing any of the things that typically you would hear him do it's more of a feel thing mm -hmm. so it encompassed my whole life and eventually it led me to him i should say that how it it ultimately turned into leading me to him or getting access to him was that when I moved from, I moved from Minnesota to Los Angeles in 1988. And one year to the day that I arrived in town, I met. Year Jason to the day. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. That is a, the third, third. Yeah. It's on the record. Um, I met uh, Dweezil Zappa and we became friends. And now all of a sudden he's, opened up his whole world to me. So now I'm going to Van Halen rehearsals and stuff like that. You know, so I have complete access. So now, now I'm, I'm at a rehearsal. I'm, I'm right in front of Ed's rig. I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. It's like, I'm super what? absorbing it. Just crazy. I watched him learn unchained sitting down. He had to, he had to go buy a cassette from tower records because they were going to start playing it for the tour that you guys are talking about the foreign lawful carnal knowledge tour they were going to start playing Unchained on that tour and he didn't know how to play it. So he had to learn it. And he's sitting there trying to learn the, learn the song. It was super wow. funny, but so now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been led into the world, you know, with those guys. And then in the mid nineties, if you guys know his, his, uh, his guitar tech and his partner in his, um, in EVH designs, Matt, Matt and mm -hmm. I used to share a rehearsal, Matt's band and my band, we used to share a rehearsal studio together. And, all, wow. and the PA and everything was from Van Halen. In fact, Kurt, the logo you got on your shirt, was on, that was on basically all of the PA gear and everything we had in our studio because Matt, Ed let Matt use stuff. And so it's in our space. So anyways, so now I'm around him or when, when they opened Cabo, they flew us down, Dweezil and I in a prop jet. I filmed that whole opening concert up from the little catwalk there on the side. There's, there's a bridge that walks from the upstairs uh, lounge area down to the stage and I'm so the whole show I filmed that whole show um, so Gosh, really yeah. Incre yeah incredible Steve Anderson are you still in here <laughs> wait so so Craig you were hanging out with Dweezil when he was um, right around the time of like confessions of a deprived youth 
I was, I was, uh, he thanks me on that record. I was with him pretty much every day for that. That That's when I actually got laid off. Cause when I moved to California, I got a job at the guitar center on sunset Boulevard. And, uh, they, they laid me off in 91 and Dweezil hired me to film everything for the making of his record. So, um, I was a part of all of that stuff, you know? Yeah. So, uh, where the hell is that footage? Dweezil has it all. That, yeah, that record, he, that, that's that's a huge record from my childhood, man. My brother brought that home, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" I still listen to that album to this day. It's a great. Yeah, album. it's a great, great record that was recorded at uh, Joe's garage mostly, and a few other places. Um, and um, we well, see what's funny hmm. is like, okay, so when I uh, when I met Dweezil and, and how he thanks thanks me on his records back then is Craig Adams, okay. When I started going into business for myself and started my studio business, there's a thousand, there's thousands of Craig Adamses. So I started using my full name. So that way, if, if somebody was looking me up, they'd get to me right away, as opposed to going, well, what the hockey star guy, the guy who plays bass in the cult, you know, which, which one. And I was, so, so that's the reason I started using my, the complete name that my, my parents, the people who adopted me gave me, that's the name that, that, so that's where that comes from. So on those records, it just says Craig Adams. Okay. But that's me. So, um, but yeah, so, so Dweezil, um, you know, he brought me into that world and, and now I, I have all those really cool experiences. Um, you know, I, I got just, just, there's so many, you know, so now I'm having personal interactions with Ed, you know, I'm at a rehearsal, we're playing darts together. We're getting to know each other, this kind of stuff. When he did that, um, that jam at Nam with Albert Lee and Steve Morse. Mm-hmm. I was sitting right on this. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on the stage for that whole jam and, and just took a bunch of cool pictures and stuff. And then, you know, that's where there's, I have a, an old photo of me with him, which is the first photo I ever took with him uh, is from that event where we were with Sterling ball. He had a suite at the inn down there and, um, we were out on a deck just eating cheeseburgers and stuff. And, um, so that's where I got the photo. Dweezil actually took that picture. Um, wow. but anyway, so, so I started to get to kind of get to know him back then a little bit, but then I basically get into this world where I start making records for other people. And that was something that took me away from, I, I know it sounds like, Hey, didn't you ask me about my record? <laughs> this is a, this is called, I mean, this is all kind of, answer. Yeah, this is all apropos <laughs> to it because the record is, it literally is a 40 sure. year journey. And that's what the name of it is, Vistali Buell. And it explains that on the website. And there's a video on the website that craigparkeradams.com that explains more of this, you know, in depth. Um, and then later uh, in 2010 is where um, we had a meeting with Ed, myself, Dweezel, and this other guy named Mike Wolf. And this was Edward reached out to Dweezel asking for help and getting old recordings together so he could help write the new record for a different kind of truth. And so uh, I was a big collector. This other guy who I met two weeks before this meeting, who he grew up with the brothers in Pasadena, he too was a huge collector. And so we put together basically the best 
of the unused stuff from the archives that we could think of. And we made, we each made 10 CDs. I made 10 of the best stuff that I had and Mike made 10 of his. So we had a meeting at um, Frank Zappa's uh, at his house, his control room that, which was at that time, you know, Dweezil's and Ed came over and we had like a three hour meeting and we basically gave Ed all of these old recordings and, all of um, these things that we thought would be good for him, like unreleased stuff for him to look at writing new tunes or whatever, because he, he wasn't getting fresh ideas at the time. And he wanted to know what was in the back catalog, you know, um, that was unused, that could be hopefully used. And then it was at this meeting where, and I just shared this story with Johnny the other day, yesterday, where I'm sitting across from Ed, right? This, and just imagine this now, there's only four of us in this meeting and we're all sitting two, two facing two, you know, we're just, we got a little table in between us and we're, we're listening just to music and whatnot. And Ed starts talking to me about something. And the same thing that happened to me in 1981, where I kind of had an out of body experience and a voice came into my head and started talking to me. The same thing happened here in this meeting where Edward is looking me in the eye and he's talking to me and I'm not hearing a word he says. <laughs> and a voice came into my head and it said, okay, it's time for you to get off of his shoulders, get off of his back, leave him be. You now need to find your voice and synthesize and extract everything that you think you've learned from this guy and now put it into your, into your own voice, basically. That was the, the idea. Get off of his shoulders, leave him be. He doesn't need anybody else on him. The guy needs, he needs to he needs to, to, he needs a space basically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so this, this, this is what happened. So I left that meeting and I quit playing guitar. I stopped. I just quit. And I wanted wow. my hands, I wanted my hands to unlearn everything that they learned my whole life playing since I was probably five, six years old. And I just wanted to let my calluses go away. And I wanted to, at that point, when I took that year off, I knew I would stop playing strats with light strings. And I was going to go back to what I was kind of playing before I ever even heard who Edward Van Halen was, which was, you know, Gibson style guitars. Oh, come on. Who's going to ruin this? <laughs> Nobody. And, and so, <laughs> so I, uh, about a year later, I found a Les Paul online that, that looked like the one I had when I was a kid. And I just bought it. Because it was it was talking to me. It's like, here's the guitar you're looking for. And so I just bought it. It was out of Pennsylvania, some small store. And I just knew awesome. it was going to be perfect. And it look and it if you see on the when you go to the website, for those who do, you'll see a picture of me with it when I was young with the fake Les Paul. And you'll see the 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 actual one that I have now that I've had for 10 years that that is you know the real one of what I wanted when I was a kid but couldn't afford. <laughs> And I and I switched from nine gauge strings to thirteen gauge strings, and then I started Jesus. to get my hands exactly. Jesus. And then I started to get my fingers to reacclimate and try and bring to the surface my voice um, with what I learned from following Ed's feet for thirty five years. So so that's what my record actually is. And so now when we go ahead to 2014. Now I basically had already cut the, the basic tracks for, for my record, at least, you know, the, the drums and bass 
I had a, a basic idea of these songs. This is, there's more to that story that I'll, I'll leave out at the moment. But so 2014 comes around and Van Halen needs to, they have to fulfill their contracts and they need to, you know, offer up another record. And so Ed's going to start and try writing again. And he can't find the discs that we gave him back in 2010. So he calls Dweezil and he's like, hey, man, do you think those guys will? Uh, I'm doing construction on my house and I can't find anything. Do you think those guys could make me those CDs again? And Dweezil's like, well, I don't know, Ed, I'm on tour. So you're going to have to talk to Craig. Now, that was the greatest news I ever had in my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> so Dweezil called me and he goes, Ed's going to call you. And I'm like, he is. OK. And, and he's like, and uh, so you need to, you know take care of him. And I'm like, of course I will. And so that's what happened. So Ed called and now he came over to my studio. And for the first time, it's just him and I in my home turf in my studio. Wow. There's nobody, nobody else there. That's a totally different dynamic when it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and we had a great time. And one thing that I didn't know when we had that meeting in 2010 I thought the other guy who was there, who I had just met, um, this guy, Mike Wolf, I thought he would, I thought he would have mammoth, but he didn't have mammoth. I had mammoth. He didn't have mammoth. He's, he's grew up from, from those guys, but there was another, another guy from that area who's my amp guy. And so for, for years earlier, he had given me a recording of this, but at this time, you know, I'm like, well, this is Edward. So, and we're trying to help Edward. So he should have everything that we can help him with. And so anyways, uh, Ed and I sat and listened to mammoth together and it's like, wow. he pretty much hadn't, hadn't heard it since he was in mammoth. So that was really special. So we, we ended up having a really great hang. And, and so we got into the conversation of my whole life me following his feet, uh, just all of this stuff that I've been sharing, like him and I, we went, we talked through all of that. So he was excited to hear my record. He's like, well, I, you know, I want to check it out. And he said, well, and I'll come back and hear it when you got it done. But the thing is, is I want to hear it mixed. So that was Ed's stipulation. And so I just wasn't able to get it full, fully completed until really just a few months ago. Um, and so I, I, sadly, I didn't get it mixed in time. And so I, I would, after that meeting in 2014, him and I would, would communicate with uh, phone calls, phone conversations. Like, you know, I could, he'd give me advice on things. We'd have deep talks about all sorts of varying things and texting and this kind of stuff. And so my last communication with him was in uh, July of 2019 when he was over in uh i think it was geneva um uh what's that other big city in switzerland there's another one there's geneva and there's um what's the big city in in uh switzerland what's the first yeah, one you're in. which one jay's a geologist yeah i'm not <laughs> i don't know all right so, so well, anyways globe so, so Ed's, I think it's Geneva, but I always seem to think that every time I say that there's, there's an, there, it's a different city and I always forget the somebody name. Somebody in the chat, somebody in the, in the chat will, will chime in and get it, get it right. Cool. So I was giving him an update on what was going on with my record and all this other stuff. And so he got back to me right away and he was over there and he said, Hey Craig, yeah, I'm stoked. I want to hear all the, you know, with all the latest and whatever. And um, he's like, I'm going to be here for nine weeks. 
because obviously he was getting treatment and stuff. Um, and so he said, if you don't hear from me in 10 weeks, call me. And so I didn't hear from him. And so I called him 10 weeks. But the day, the day I called him was the day, the literal day that Dave Roth's press release came out for his Vegas band and the no. run of shows he was doing in Vegas. And I know that that was that would have blindsided him. But also, too, I also think he probably wouldn't have cared about it either. But at any rate, I never heard from him again. So that was my last uh, connection with him. Mm. And so anyways, so I didn't get my record mixed in time. So sadly, Ed didn't get to hear it. But it's really it's a labor of love at the DNA or submolecular level to him and his example. So it's not a Van Halen sound liking record. But I mean, maybe Johnny would be better to ask for that question because he's just heard it. Um, but there's definitely the essence and the respect of of what I extracted from Ed's example. So that's that's what it is. It's a 33, uh, 33 minutes and 30 second ride. It's instrumental guitar, but it's not what you're expecting. It's not a bunch of lead work and stuff. It's not going to blow your mind. It's not super fancy. It's it's just I'm trying to have weight and merit. And I wrote it primarily, um, I'd have to actually say for the up and comers, you know, I want a young kid to hear it and go, oh, I could do that. And then just be able to play it, you know, so it's, it, it's easy, it should be easy to play. And so that's what I tried to do is make something cool that's easy to play. And, and just like, yeah, man, this, this feels badass. And that's what I always loved about Ed, his feel. It's just badass, you know, it's, he didn't have to be tapping or doing all of his super cool things that he could do. I mean, just look, think of the way he plays the rhythm underneath the solo and feel your love tonight. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. I mean, it's just straight, but it's so cool. It just feels so cool. So that's really what I focused on. And that's what this record is. So that's yeah. the longest run on sentence ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great, great. man. I, I I listened to it. I listened to it today, and and um, I I can I can totally hear. I mean, I mean the the influence, and and um, it's it's just cool. You guys got to check it out. And currently, it's it's on it's only it's only available on his website. That's right. Yeah, CraigParkerAdams.com, and. Um, it's also, I have it CD, I have vinyl, but the vinyl, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the vinyl industry is, is thriving. It's doing oh, yeah. so good. It's outselling uh, digital, outselling CDs, um, which is great because the vinyl world has really taken a hit for the past 20 years. So the fact that it's just crushing right now is great. But the downside is, is it takes like 10 months to a year for them to get your pressings done. So they they are they are but it's it's super cool i i just received my five test pressings for the record just the other day so um and and they're great so but anyways the vinyl is not set to arrive till around the holidays but it is available as well as the cds and just regular downloads and tableture i had the whole record um, company do the tableture for me as well nice. um but anyway, and then uh, two other things to mention as far as uh, Ed goes is on the first tune, I got to actually use one of Ed's cabinets from that um, 
photo shoot where they're in Sunset Sound at the end of 78 when they're doing uh, Van Halen 2 record. And he's got all those uh, basket weave cabinets with the Tolex pulled off. Mm-hmm. So I got to use one yep. of those bottoms on the first tune. I'm using that cabinet. And then on the fifth song on the record, I'm actually using the Chris Holmes destroyer that Ed used on women and children first. So I got to write a song, which is a tribute for a great guitar player who passed away named Mark Abrihami. And, and I got to write a tune and, and record it using that same guitar. Um, so that was pretty cool. So those, those are some other, you know, Ed tie-ins. But what's amazing is, is, like I said, you know, my journey with this record started with an inspiration from Ed and it brought my life's path, brought me to him. And he got to hear that whole story. And so he was supportive of it. And for that, I just it's like I can't believe that happened. You know, it's so I'm so grateful that that actually was the case. I just wish he could have heard it. That's all. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's such an amazing story. Wow. Thank you. On the uh, Ibanez Destroyer, I watched your video. You did a short video on it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Tell me about the mojo of the guitar. Um, I know you said it was like set up perfect, the intonation spot on, but like just tell me about just bringing it there, playing it, having it in your, your hands, like what that experience was like. <sighs> Oh, man. Well, first, Kurt, I got to give that to Doug Anderson, the Tone Zone. So he's the guy who owns that. He's been my amp tech since like 1994. And um, one of the reasons when I reached out to Ed was to let him know that I actually had to leave my studio that I had for 22 years, very unexpectedly. So I wanted to let him understand because I, I thought he'd be thinking like, what's taking him so long to get this record done? <laughs> and it's like, I needed him to know, look, man, there's a lot going on. And so, but, so I'm in a new spot that I've been in and uh, Doug had never been over here. And Doug is also another one of these guys, my friends, who's just like, man, you got to get your record done. It's been taking forever, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so he came over and saw my new place. And when he was here, and I told him I had this one other song I had to do now to finish it up. He said, how he just sprung it on me. He's like, how would you like to use the Chris Holmes destroyer? And I was like, what? Like I forgot he even owned the thing, to be honest. I I had, I, it was not in my mind at all. So he just blindsided me with, with the opportunity. And then a week later he brought it over and you use the right word mojo. That thing will change the air temperature of a room. (laughs) It will. You it, Just the case alone. I mean, it's just like it is it's a little force of nature, that thing. And I don't know why or if it's just because Ed did what he did on it or what. But it 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 like it when I had it in the closet, uh, you know, it's like I could feel it talking through the walls. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> just think of like uh, that kryptonite or that that green glowing thing in Superman that's out in the farm buried, you know, underneath the barn or whatever. If you guys ever saw mm-hmm. that movie, it's like it's like yeah. this glowing thing of energy going, you know, pick me up. So, well, the yeah, first I, time I, you plugged I, it in and like hit hit a chord or played where you like, oh, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I played the thing like 15, 20, I've, I've probably played it a ton of times in my life, but never plugged in because he has it basically on display in his shop, which is what he calls the Van Halen Museum. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've interacted with it before in my life, but it, for some reason, this was just a totally different kind of experience or time 
with it where it just all of a sudden it's now like dropped off and now here it is sitting there on your sofa or whatever. It's like, wow, there's that guitar. And, and it, like I say, it, it's or like you said, mojo. So it's got an energy on it, but I would describe it like a fine sword. Like it is the precision of it is really, really special. Um, first of all, it's one of those necks that plays itself. You know, it's like a very small neck. It's very easy to get your hands around. It's kind of real flat. And it's like, so everything is just simple to play on it. Um, and then for whatever reason, like when you do like, think of all the big stretching type patterns Ed would play on it. It's it's just, it's very simple to pull off. You know, like on some guitars, you try to play the, the, the ice cream man lick or something. And it's like, oh, I'm doing the stretch and it's I'm having to work for it today where it's like any on this. It's just like nothing like it for some reason. It's so easy. Um, but if you're playing yeah. campfire chords, right, you're just playing whatever chord <laughs> you want to play and you play it an octave up or wherever it's there. It's just perfect everywhere on the whole thing. So that was really that blew my mind. And I think this is why I think because Ed had the experience of playing this and maybe with whatever other guitars he was using along those lines, because I think he had a way of, of connecting his tuning to life that his guitars maybe were always like that. But I kind of feel because he had this instrument, he knew how perfect an intonation setup could be that he would then knew he could never settle for less with any other guitar that he had. And as I was talking with Johnny yesterday, when I used to work at the guitar center, I would go and take his guitar out of the front case. You know, the one on display, the striped one that they have that he gave them back when he did the handprints. I used to go yeah. play that thing in the back all the time. Oh my that God. Neck, it's, it's, it, his, his, that neck just plays so beautiful when you're playing chords and things. It's just the, the, the way it responds, the, the, the feel of the, the unfinished wood with the very mild gunstock oil or whatever it is, it's so comfortable. So, um, I just feel like because this guitar was made so well, he had it from 1975 or is when they, they arrived in the States and they got it right away. You know, Chris Holmes bought his first and then told Ed, go get the other one. Cause there was, those were the mm -hmm. first two that came into Long Beach. Um, and yeah. they ended up in Pasadena, um, that he had that experience with what this guitar could do. So he, he would always take his own, uh, the way he feels tuning and then the idea that this is how good a guitar can be, combine them both. And now anything that he plays or makes or builds or, or dials in is going to be as good or better. Yeah, right? there's, there's always, if you end up getting multiple guitars, there's always the one that's always like the measuring stick. Like, well, it, it, it doesn't feel as good as this one. You know, it's, yeah. Well, and think about this. He's on his third record. And he's yep. going, hey, man, can I use your guitar? <laughs> like, it means that much to him. He knows how good it sounds before, you know, he went before he cut up his, right? And he would just <laughs> use it on encores. It, he, he knew that, how great that guitar sounded. And so he, and then what do you see him in the studio with? A 59 Les Paul that he just got from Norm's. And then this thing. And then he's got a couple of others that he's that are, you know, that he turns into stripe versions later. You've seen the photos. So you guys know what I'm talking about. It's on yeah. sound, right? Yep. Yeah. So 
So, so obviously he knew, he knew that he knew the value of this guitar. And I think his, before he destroyed his, you can see in Greg Renoff's book, um, Greg was actually in here earlier. I don't know if he's still watching, but he was. He was in here. This guy, yeah. Van Halen Rising. There he is. <laughs> Greg Renoff's book. Um, he's got the picture from Don Landy where Ed, where they're in, you know, Studio A at Sunset Sound. Ed's got his back to the window and he's playing the White Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie's crying. Jamie's crying. What, exactly. And, and also, too, that is that guitar is the exact sound, and this is why it's on my record on the fifth the fifth tune. There's a there's a solo section that set, sets up there's a, a thing that sets up a solo section. This would be the end of side A of the record, and I do that pick glist between the stop tail piece and the because you took you do that on a Les Paul, you do it on all sorts of guitars. Yeah, that's a great shot. So that's before he painted his with stripes and cut it out. So they did the record, then he cut it up with the chainsaw and painted it. And then he ruined it. It was done. And then it was relegated to encores only live, you know, after the solo. So um, so anyway, so he knew enough to get that same guitar. And, and of course, Chris had the twin of that guitar. But that sound, that pick list from Running With The Devil, it's the exact sound. So when you when you pick up that guitar or if you ever go to the Tone Zone and you ever get to see that or play that guitar, that's the first thing you should do with your pick is just do the dun, 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 dun. And it's, it's exactly, it's like, that's it. That's the exact sound, you know? Because, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like other guitars get close, you know, but it's not that right. It's not... And because yeah. this is a twin, it's it. It's like, there it is. So I put that sound on my record in like, I, I do it like four or five times. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's just like, <laughs> it's for me. You know, I, I love it. So I was just doing that little gliss thing with some Echoplex on it. So, but yeah, so playing that guitar was great. And um, it makes you play, it play different. And then, like I say, it just, you're all of a sudden, you're just doing all those big stretchy things on it. Yeah, there it is. Yep. And I thought that I thought originally that they were both white, but they're I guess they were natural with white pick guards. Then they both painted them white. And then eventually Chris painted his red and, and Ed striped it and painted it red. Yep. So because you've seen the pictures of Ed with it from 75 where he where it's natural with the white pick guard. Have you guys seen that? It's like yep. a, it's like Pasadena High School or something or wherever it is. So, yeah, yeah. And he but he it, took it, the it, the volume knobs and tone knobs up strat and put them on on uh, that uh, when he was natural and white. Yep, right there by his knee. There, there it is. And so that's yeah. the guitar right there that you that you played. That's exactly it. Yep. And so what's crazy is it's so the difference that I noticed is that the the pickup covers have been removed. So you know. Um, but everything, it's basically exactly as it was. And I think also, Doug, there's a new, there's a different uh, knob on it. So Well, didn't he rip, isn't the front pickup out there? Not just the, the no, no, it's, ring? It's, it's, it, no, no, it's, it's, it, they're both in there and they're both um, covered, you know, okay. like a, just like his 59 Les Paul up by there at the neck. It's the same, same thing, you know, chrome. The rumor I heard top. was when he returned it to Chris Holmes, uh, the neck pickup was out and the bridge was on backwards. 
Wow. Wait, like it that, kind any of, of that could be that, put back that together could be totally true. Yeah, that could be totally true. I, I, I can't say that I know. But. but there's so many myths out there, you don't know what's legit and what's not. Totally. I just remember when I when I had his cabinet and when Jeff Hausman uh, did an article on me and all these AMP guys started reaching out to me, um, I told them that I had a cabinet and they all wanted to know what the specifics of each of the speakers inside the cabinet. So I, they, I literally opened up the back and took pictures of, of everything just to answer questions for these people that were, you know, yeah, exactly. It's one of those. It's like that one right next, right next to his leg right there. It's just a, it's a straight bottom basket with uh, all the Tolex removed, except the back. There's there's Tolex on the rear of the cabinet and the original logo is on the back. And then there's swear words written into it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and, and it sounded killer. It, it's it, it's the, When I played through that, same deal. Doug offered it to me. I never asked him for it, you know. Um, he, he offered it to me, and, and so I used wow. it. And when I played through that, I never played through my old cabinets again, and then I went out and hunted down old marshals. And that's what I made my record with. So I, I got a, a 78 bottom with black backs, which is what's in that cabinet there. And then I got a 74 bottom with cream backs with, uh, yeah, 74 with cream backs. Um, but it's, it's a really special sounding cabinet. You know, I thought it was great. So, and it, and it says shit on the back. So <laughs> I guess, well, I think it's great. That, that thing sounds like shit, but it also says <laughs> fuck on the back. So, you know, it's like. Love it. And, you know, the other thing about the brown sound, you know, yeah, that's all from Al. And we all think the guitar people, it's like uh, it's a guitar thing. Um, and the, the, I think the reason that started is because he when you use a Variac and people used to always think that, oh, it's he's using it to jack it up. But he wasn't. He was using it to j bring it way down. And that's right. like what you call a, a brownout with the with that. They do that here in L.A. where the in the middle of the summer, they'll cut the power down. So all your lights are dim because they huh. have to you know reserve power and yeah so, meanwhile meanwhile they, they want everybody to drive an electric car could you imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts i know it's ridiculous but so that's why that's where i always thought it was you know the brown uh sound aspect was because he was browning out the amp by bringing it down to like 65 volts and uh, you do that and your your front you know or some of you guys probably already know this because i, I do that all the time it, you you lose first of all you lose the front light of your amp so your amp light goes off so you can't tell if it's on or off or it'll flicker you know that's that's right before the amp will will putter out so to speak but it just sounds cool you know when you can get it down like that if it, if it can hold but um yeah brown sound al snare yeah but but think about we, we were talking about this not too long ago i mean all the uh a lot of the amplifiers now, like I have a little THR 10X practice amp right here sitting next to me. And the first knob, or the sorry, the second selection is brown two. <laughs> the third one is brown one. So, you know, awesome. yeah, I mean, comp guitar companies and, and stuff like that, they still consider, you know, it's it's a bit, it's not even an EVH amp, but wow. they, still, right. they still consider it the brown sound, you know. And, How many and brown sound uh, preamp pedals are out there? Quite a few. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, we haven't even talked about what he did to the industry itself. I mean, just just look at tablature, right? Yep. Like he would he would say they created tablature because they couldn't write. There was no way to to get what figure out what I was playing, so they created that language. Like we've heard him say that, right? Yep. I'm not the only one that's heard that, right? So yeah, you know, it, there's that, um, and then all of these ba- these these basic innovations to, to the instrument itself. And then to like, yeah, amplifiers on down the line. It's just like, what, what a contribution this guy made. I mean, and, and, and he was the main guy in all of our lives. Think of the people 50 years from now or a hundred years from now, like the same way people would look back towards a Robert Johnson or something. It's like, we got to live in his in his time and see him you know do what he i mean well was there any other is there any other guitar player that we could think of um that people would buy guitar magazines for interviews just to see or just to read what he did and how he got a sound and we know you know from looking back at everything that a lot of the stuff early on that he said like you mentioned the variac I think the first interview he did when he mentioned it, he mentioned cranking it or something, and yeah. a bunch of people fried their amps. Yes. So he came, you know, I think the next interview he did or something, he kind of like was like, oh, oh, I guess I should kind of be honest here about what I did. But I, I understand, you know, you're a young guitar player who's been, who is the most innovative guitar player ever to walk the planet. Yeah. You, I get it. When you're that young and still, you know, putting out records every year, every two years, and he saw what was happening. A lot of people were doing, starting to do what he was doing. So Think I want Japan. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd want to keep a lot of that stuff under wraps too. Hey, let's steer people the other way and have them guessing of what I'm doing instead of just telling everybody what I'm doing. Yeah. When yeah. when when he went to Japan, and they instantly started ripping him off and making white guitars with black stripes. There you go. Instantly. Like by, by the time he gets back to California, they're already doing it. Like as soon as they saw him, they're like, oh, we're doing that. And that's what made him paint it red. So we wouldn't you wouldn't have that red guitar behind you oh. if Japan didn't rip him off immediately and piss him off to go, F it. I'm gonna paint I gotta now do paint, you know, new paint scheme and and then the black and yellow and all of that. So yeah, it's, and then we know what happened with the with the with the bumblebee with uh, Charvel, you know yeah. that whole that whole thing happening. Yep. yep. But and then the Japanese magazines they would take detailed pictures of his gear. Front they'd have yeah. front of the guitar, flip it over, take pictures of the back of the guitar, his pedal board. At that time in '78, the guitar magazines weren't doing that in the states; they were doing it in Japan. Um, so you yep. totally see it. Uh, they were interested. And, uh, in what he was doing gear wise. And I think in America, they are interested in his music and, you know, all that other stuff, right. not necessarily the gear itself. Yeah. And, and we're all glad that they did because <laughs> we yeah. get to see those photos and we're just like, <laughs> wow, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, Keith Campbell saying they about- wanted to keep the Frankie black and white, but I guess yeah. when you got a bunch of people with the same stuff, you know, but I'm hey, I'm glad because look at that. I, I mean, know. it is yeah. one of the 
I mean, is probably the most iconic guitar, even though the 5150 is my favorite just because of the right. I'm 44 live without a net, you know, that type, that type of thing. Sure. Totally. But Frankie is, I mean, you know, that's, that's the guitar, man. Gorgeous. And, and to think that there's mm -hmm. a version of it in the Smithsonian, you know, I mean, what, a, like he said, what a ruckus he created, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, yeah. and, and was never really the intent. I think, and then just just following his instincts and trying things and you know his that that term that we all read about trial and error trial and error you know that we've read it a thousand times in any articles about him on his way up and and then um what that leads to i i have to say for myself you know i learned that i couldn't take anything that he did further i i, I had to regress it right. in a different way you know he was such a pure uh creative individual and you think of guys the, the other guitar players who have tried maybe you could say they have you know guys like vi or guys like joe um where they're more they can do more things more interesting or i won't say uh they, i mean they can do a lot with the guitar you know they they do things more extreme than edward did but edwards has a certain kind of purity to it that none of us can deny mm -hmm. like it, it it pulls us beyond our control like it's what we know, like this is where we're supposed to be. There's something in this. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's a purity deal in some way. You know, I, I had a conversation with him where he didn't like to take credit for what he had created or done. And that's not to say he didn't want to take credit for working hard to be good at what he did. But there was something else happening and he knew that. And it was basically we what I told him, I said, I call that in, in the discussion we had, I, what we were talking about, I said, I call that divine intervention. And he said, so do I. So it was uh, there was a there was it was a, a, a purity thing, a purity connection. And, and he was just able to, to do this, this really magical stuff. You know, like I say, an A chord's not necessarily magical. But when he played an A chord, it, you knew it at a biological level that what something is really special about this. And, you know, and he always, I mean, no matter how processed his tone got the later in, in his career, but there was always some kind of raw and and rawness to it and an attitude that mm -hmm. no matter, like you said before, a million guys would come in the guitar shop or guitar, you know, guitar store, whatever, well, guitar center, I guess, mm -hmm. and play those riffs, play those licks. But there's something, you know, any, anybody that somebody writes and plays themselves is going to sound different from somebody else playing it. You know, that just comes with the territory. There it is. Eddie just, you know, he has something about his playing and his tone, obviously. <laughs> that just, there's something about it. it it's... You, you can't you can't describe it. You mentioned it earlier too. You're always trying to figure out what it is about this guy. What what is it about his guitar playing that makes everybody just like, you know, what's going on here? And I think that's 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 a lot of it too. Is just, you know, there's you could feel his playing and not just somebody playing the notes. You know, you could yeah. feel there's something there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it, it it talks to you at a biological level. It's not just notes coming at you. It's much deeper than that. And there's, there's more to it. I also kind of liken it. Like if you think of like, um, 
you know, like for instance, where I grew up, there's the Mississippi River, right? And um, about a couple hundred miles north of where I live is where it actually comes out of the ground at this small little, at this lake. And you can actually just kind of jump over it or walk across it where it starts. And then, of course, by the time you get down to, you know, uh, Louisiana or whatever, it's a mile or, you know, it's it's just and there's all these other rivers that go into it and, you know, turn it into this other thing. And to me, Ed is the it's he is the spigot of the source. And every everything else is downstream. It's downriver. And I just want to drink from that spigot. I don't want to drink further downstream. I want, I just want to sip from the source only because that's, what's talking to me. And, and it's doing it in a way where something inside of me knows it, but I don't know what it is. So I know enough to go. Yeah. Just like, you know, I suppose if, if you're going to feed something to a dog and, and it, you think it's fine and the dog smells and goes, no, no, I'm not going to eat it. Like they know something there's that we don't know. So there's something that we our our sensing abilities can sense, but we don't know how to you know to understand what is all of this. Yeah, stuff. consciously yeah. we don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's something else that, like you said, an extra a sixth sense or something that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's why we we take the time to sit here for a couple hours and 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 talk about this kind of stuff because we know it matters at a different level like let alone it matters to us but if there happens to be a young guy or girl listening they're going to sense our authenticity of our inspiration from this and then hopefully they'll go and drink from the source too that's the best thing that we can pass on to them go oh, drink wow. from the source kid and then that way they can know because i I think, you know, I just saw something the other day where there was like it had to do with sales of records and it had to and it was classic rock records that were selling the most. Like kids are buying the older records from the bands that we grew up on, as opposed to the newer bands that are around right now. Why would they do that? Because modern music sucks. But the point I'm trying to allude to is that they themselves sense what we knew. So they're not going to eat over there or drink from this here. They feel like, no, there's something. The water's purer over here. They know it, too. So that's a great sign when kids are doing that, when they're going, hey, I want Led Zeppelin 1. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because they're going to, that's going to dig in. Well, dude, think of pop radio, right? You get these songs that huge hits two or three months, four months, five months down the road. No one's listening to them anymore because there's nothing there's nothing about them. There's nothing deep. And and like you said before, there's not that thing that you don't know what it is, but something about it just, you know, it just makes it an all time classic. Classic rock Mm -hmm. radio is obviously still massive. One of our buddies, Paul, who's on who's on the channel. He works at a at a huge radio station in Arizona as like the what biggest morning show or second biggest morning show, and it's mm-hmm. classic rock, right? And it's yeah. you know these songs are just timeless songs. You know, like I said before, I'm in mid forties. The majority of the music that I listen to is still music that I grew up on, right. um, and maybe it's just because I'm growing up on that. But even when you hear it, you can't hear these songs enough. Yeah. 
Like you still listening to that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's like you do you get sick of looking at some great painting from you know a few hundred years ago or something like oh I saw that I don't need to ever look at it again. Um, you or, know, or, you know when, or a nice set of butt cheeks and some yoga pants. You can never get sick of looking at that. You know, timeless. timeless. Samantha Fox yeah. pictures, Jay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love seeing those videos that are called reaction videos, and you yeah. see some oh, yeah. some some person from some demographic that doesn't fit some sort of you know. Uh, we'll say social normal norm or something. And then you expose them to the stuff that we're talking about. And you can literally see exactly what you did when you first heard it, where if you were lucky enough to see a live band or something, when you're a little kid, that's going to change your life. You're going to be, you know, it's going to change you in some way. It's going to be profound. Mm -hmm. And then you get to see some kid from this generation who's hearing something from our generation or older or, you know, and then you see them get transformed like right before your eyes, you know, they'll be listening to something and the same way it affected you, it affects them. So there, there is a, an inherent knowing and that thing. And then also too, uh, things cross over barriers where it's like, who likes Billy Jean? Right. I mean, that's a, Come on, it's killer. Doesn't matter where you grew up, what what you are, where you're. It's like that's you love it. It's inclusive. It speaks to you. It's great, and great art does that. Yep. And um, and I love seeing the kids getting to hear stuff and just be like, yeah, you know. And it's like, see, they know they know what we knew. You know, it's, it still works. I, I was wondering for a while because sometimes I'll watch some of those reaction videos too. You know, um, and I for a while I'm like, why? Why do why are these things popular? And I think part of the reason is, is because we always say, man, I wish I could hear that song for the first time again. Right. Mm. And I think that's part of it. You're kind of seeing somebody react to a song that you love. That's one of your all time favorite songs or whatever it is. And you get to see somebody listen to it and absorb it and analyze it for the first time. And you almost like vicariously, you know. It's, yes. it's a cool thing. You know, sometimes some of them are yeah. kind of lame, but, you know, one of my favorite bands is Metallica. And there's this one dude, it's, you think his name is like your boy Dave or something. And he, he respond he reacts to um, Metallica one. And there's a couple parts. I, I actually record them like on my phone and I, I'll watch them from time to time because they just make me happy. You know, yeah. him just, yeah. whoa, you know, <laughs> there's certain yeah. parts you like, you're waiting for him to react to that part yeah, what that you, you like. Say and... this part? Yeah. 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 No, I think it's, it's, there's, there's, there's hope in those things as well. You know, it's when, when if people feels there, there's a disconnect between all oh, of the younger people don't know this or don't know that. No, no. You give them, you give them a, you know, a, a something that's, you know, kind of t tried and true time tested, you know, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll get it. They'll get it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just I wonder, you know, obviously Eddie um, inspired how many generations so far to play guitar. Yeah. And I, Johnny, I think, you know, after, um, you know, Eddie passed away, I think I mentioned something like this. Like, I think this is kind of going to set another fire when a lot of people, a lot of younger kids are going to find out and, you know, see like Eddie Van Halen. Who's that? 
And I think it's it's already happening. You know, like a lot of the reaction videos mm -hmm. have come out ever since Eddie died of people watching him and listening to him play that have never heard him before. Never, you know, maybe they heard the name or they saw the guitar but had no idea about the music. Or maybe they heard a couple songs but didn't know who it was. I think he's going to end up inspiring generations to come just because of, you know, what his music was and, and just what yeah. kind of player he was. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Me too. <laughs> I mean, like, well, like I, I've, I've always said, I mean, I, this is what I like to think anyway, you know, in, in a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, you know, you, they're going to look at the guitar and it's going to be Eddie Van Halen. That's, that's who, that's going to be the, uh, the ambassador to, to the instrument. Yeah. Is, is Eddie. And, and, um, and as, as far as, uh, you know, you guys are talking about, uh, you know, everybody playing, you know, a million miles an hour or whatever. Um, Eddie can, Eddie can plug the guitar in and it's cool. I'd rather hear him just plug the guitar in than hear Ingve play anything, you know? <laughs> no i i get what you're saying and, and craig I, I you know the fact that you do records and stuff um you know there's i i say this a lot and you know i'm a huge metal fan mm -hmm. but i'm not the biggest blast beats or sweeps fan right because mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's you know substance yeah you can do all that stuff that's great I like when 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 musicians kind of like you have this I don't know how many bar solo whatever right you you need the notes for P, the listener to hang, hold on to right you need a melody in in that solo some kind of you know whatever sneak that little slick stuff in from time to time to get people go oh mm -hmm. and but then bring them back to you know planet earth or whatever if you're doing all the all the crazy stuff the whole time then it's like, yeah, it's a wow factor. Like, wow, that, listen to that guy play. But there's not that thing that just keeps you holding on to it, you know? That thing that you can hum, a guitar melody or a solo in your head, you know? And stuff like that, that that's what keeps me kind of coming back to a lot of the, the great bands that, you know, everybody still listens to, you know? Yeah, it's like, wow, I got to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to go. I, I know what you're saying and and um it, you know it's you gotta it, that's one of those taste things up mm -hmm. to the up to the listener and um and there's there's, there's people that want to that enjoy and want to hear that and that's you know no problem but I, i'm with you and especially now you know I, I i give some of that to to youth and you know and and that's okay because when you're younger you've got to strive and you gotta you gotta test yourself like can can i do this can i play that can i do this for this long can i you know all of that sort of stuff yep. and then as you as you have those experiences and fill your life's bucket up with all this stuff then you start to that taste thing that you're talking about really starts to come through and then you you're like what you know you're then you you're putting value to your notes and then it's like, well, I don't want to just go spend a bunch of notes. Let me see how far I can stretch a note. You know, you could, you know, look, go to Jeff Beck for that. Dude, you know? David Gilmore. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, can you yeah. get so much out of one note? It's like, oh, yeah. And, and, who, and, 
And and so even even the greats, you know, even I mean, I'll even say like for in Ingve, I think he would he would agree with you on that aspect. But he he in terms of the, like the style which I consider that he created, I kind of consider Ingve to be kind of the last great innovator of sorts with something unique that he brought where he's created a legion of followers that none of them none of them can do what he does is good because you can pick Ingve out of a group of a thousand guitar players. And, and that's the key of a great player. Like, it's like, there he is. Yeah. I you know what I'm saying? It's like, you can, you, you know him over the others. Um, but he sure inspired a lot of people to strive for their highest possibility. And so for that, I give it to him. He's one hell of an entertainer too. Um, you know, when I've seen him play um, and um, I mean, Anyways, you know, I think even a guy like that, because, you know, he comes from that Richie Blackmore school where Richie, did, he, he could play, you know, blow your head off, but he also knew how to work a note at mm -hmm. the same time. Um, so I think that as the older a, a player gets generally, they it takes a while for, for them to sometimes learn that, like, there's a value to these notes and I don't need to just throw them all out. Then there's those other guys where it's like they're not interested in playing a bunch of notes. I don't think David Gilmore was ever interested in playing. No. A, 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 he, you know, yeah, you know, his his heart was trying to say something so deep with the tunes they were doing that was just a different level. Um, yeah. So it's just I mean, you know, I, like, I I like Ingve. You know, his yeah, yeah. his record, um, Fire and Ice. When did that come out? Like early '90s, early to mid '90s. That that one's a great album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as far as shredding the whole time, like, yeah, Jay, the song's got to be like a story. It's got to have a introduction, you know, um, yeah. setting the mood, the you know, the plot, the climax of the oh, story, ooh, and then climax. Uh, money the shot. Conclusion. It's got to, for me, it's got to kind of go like money that, yeah. and versus but, just the climax the whole time where someone's just shredding the whole way. But Craig, I think you you kind of touched on the whole like. Did you mention social media or something a couple minutes ago? You know, a lot of the, a lot of these younger guitar players. I think. I mean, I would feel if I was a young guitar player now, is it's going to be hard to get noticed on social media now if if you're not shredding. Like that's what uh, we have a buddy Cameron Brown, who is you know he's got like fifty something thousand followers on Instagram. His shredding videos, obviously, those are the ones that get all the, you know, the likes and the comments and stuff, you know, but he puts an acoustic piece up, you know, nobody cares. It's like, it's, well, it's think hard, about it, Jay. You, know? you slide up, you have 30 seconds, someone's going to watch a few minutes of it, and then if they don't like it, they'll skip to the next thing. But really, yeah. you got to catch someone's attention in 30 seconds. Yeah, you got to pull your boobs out instantly. It's like, what about? <laughs> why can't I just show you a little, a little cleavage first? No, they they want the nipple. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like three time. seconds. <laughs> That's all. My, my, my response to that stuff is is to like to the to the person who's playing not for any of that. It's because they got to, and it doesn't matter if they're playing in their bedroom. See, this is the thing I learned about making all the records I did over the years and working with all the people is that. All the real heavy-duty players, they're out playing a gig somewhere tonight. And they're going to be out playing a gig somewhere tomorrow night. 
and the night after that, and the night after that, and the night after that. They're always playing, whether it's, doesn't matter. They're not concerned about the venue or anything. They just got to play. And I love that. Like, they, they don't care where it is. They're just going to be doing it. So for the person, if, if there's, I'll say this, like for a young person that might be struggling where there, it's, it's a, uh, an attention situation that they're trying to get online or whatnot, it's like, I, okay, I, I get it. That's a, that's a fair and legitimate thing to strive for. But for the other one that, or I would, I would say to you, um, why are you playing? And are you going to look, listen to what Ed said, rock stars come and go. Musicians play till they drop with, with, there's nobody there to watch you. It don't matter. That's not why you're playing. So if you can hold that to, to yourself in some way, I think the other stuff will follow. Like, I don't think Ed ever wanted to be a famous star, but it came his way because his authenticity, his authenticity was, I just got to play. And I'm unique when I play, and this is it. And if you put me on a stage, yeah, okay, now I got to dress funny to match this guy, and I got to <laughs> put up. I got, you know what I'm saying? He he had to step up. He yeah. knew that that's not him. He wasn't like that. He he would have just worn jeans and a t-shirt and been fine. But he knew that no, we I got to do a little bit more outside my comfort zone. He ended up screwing up his body because of all that stuff to put on a show, but. He still, you know, it was still about those notes and playing till you drop. And so I would say to anybody who, who's, if they're, if they have any kind of dilemma within themselves that they're playing because they want attention from people online, drop that. Just drop it. That, if, if like really put your heart and soul into your instrument and your notes and playing, having fun with others, people you can go, like friends, make friends, join bands, play with other people, have guitar player buddies that you can jam with. When you play with other people, it makes you better. Mm -hmm. And and have that be your striving point. And then, you know, like I say, I agree with what you're saying. It's legitimate for the ones that are trying to do that online. But they, it, and, and I'm not suggesting you said this, I'm just pointing this out from my point of view, is that that should not discourage an up-and-coming player or a player in general. Like, no way. I've seen brilliant artists on street corners playing their ass off and people walk by and they don't give them the time of day. Yep. So you got to do it for you. you got to do it for you because you love it. That's why you play. You play because you got to do it. You know, and then these guys that inspired us, like Ed, they make us do, make us, want to do better at what we do yep they showed they showed us you know a way to like oh i i I, God, I still think i could do this better whatever it may be you know but that's that that's just like because i think what you're saying is 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 serious and and because uh, you know it's a different generational situation especially for me in my age but i would that would just it pains me to think of somebody somewhere uh, being hard on themselves because people aren't giving them attention online for what they're doing. I just, I, I my heart goes out to that person to like, no, you got to change your, your barometer. And, and like, like I say, it's still, it's a reality in this day and age, but man, don't let that be some sort of deciding factor well, for what it, you. It's much, yeah, it's much do. different now because I mean, yeah. a band, you know, a, a guitar player who has, who might not have any original music out, right? Mm -hmm. um, they have 
they put out, out these guitar videos of them shredding. Next thing you know, they got X amount of thousands and thousands of followers. Next thing you know, endorsements are rolling in. And it's it's just a different landscape from back when, you know, any of us were touring or, or playing live and stuff. It's like, yeah, you guys are on tour, but, you know, we, we don't want to endorse you. You're not playing in front of enough people or stuff like that. It's like you're actually doing it. I don't want to take anything away from anybody. Because if I was younger nowadays, I'd probably be sitting in my room just making guitar videos and letting the stuff roll in, right? <laughs> but it's, it's just it's just amazing because I have a buddy, you know, my um, I have a buddy who works for a, a big guitar company, and he's he's the artist rep, and he was kind of explaining all this to me. He's like, dude, it's all about your social media, uh, you know, whatever. Like I forget how he worded it, wow. but he's like, if you don't have this or that, he's like companies won't even look at oh you have an album coming out that's cute you know how many followers do you have how many um what are they called not connections uh when people friends no when people <laughs> when people comment or like or uh what is it called um thumbs downs yeah that too um yeah whatever it is like <laughs> you know he's like that's what, that's what that's what these music companies are looking at nowadays and it's like you know you used to have to get out there and tour your ass off if you wanted any of this stuff, you know, sell X amount of records. Um, so you're, 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 yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because I do openly admit in many ways, I live in, in the past and the stadium of my mind, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it, yeah. So I, I don't really know fully what they're, what, what they're up against and, and, um, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a different situation. I just hope that it doesn't hurt any of them in some sort of mental capacity, you know, because just think of when, when all the years you spent as a kid sitting on the side of your bed playing your guitar when you got home from school. But I mean, that's really what it's about for me. But I think and, engagement. Thank you, Majestic PB&J Cat. But I think what I'm kind of, you know, it was always, you know, when you start playing an instrument, right, the posters on your wall, you're when you start playing those songs and learning the songs of, of the bands that you love, right. You're picturing yourself on that stage playing in front of all these people. And I almost feel like the fact that a lot of these younger players, I'm gonna have to word my, my, you know, word this stuff carefully. Cause I don't want to piss anybody off or, or take anything. Like I said before, take anything away from anybody, hmm. but I almost feel like it might be the end goal for a lot of these, of these players because they're already getting the endorsements, they're getting free stuff sent to them, and maybe they're not—they don't have that—that—that that, um, that, not want to say dream, but that vision of them getting on stage one day and playing in front of people and and going on tour and having all those experiences, going to a, into a, rec a recording studio and recording a record and all this yeah. stuff. It's almost like that's. You know the ends, the meets. What is it? What is the saying? The end, the end game, or the meet, the meet, and the something, something is already in the whatever the hell it is. I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's. I do. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Is that it? it basically, things are different, and they're seeing that, and they're getting great success by not even leaving the the, the home or whatever, yeah. and they're reaching they're reaching a global audience, and they're getting income from that attention, all sorts of things. So it totally makes sense. So. I think you're absolutely right. If anything, it's, it's, you know, um, I need an expansion on my understanding with what the, 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 
the way the the weather is outside, so to speak, with how things are working currently, because I'm off in a cave, you know, making records all the time or working, you know, doing live sessions or whatever it is, and then working on my stuff. And then going back to to what you just said, you know, my whole life of you, you aspired to something. The photos were on the wall. We all had the same posters and things on the wall, the pictures. That's what we used. They're using different things now. That's a reality. So if anything, I think the, the discussion more so for the listener is really for me <laughs> to, to expand out, to, to really get a, a better understanding of how it's actually going down these days. Mm-hmm. You know, I was last NAM show I went to uh, last year with Dweezil. You know, we've been going to NAM together for 30 odd years. And he wanted to introduce me to this guitar player guy as soon as we as soon as we showed up he's like oh you know this this kid's playing this booth we got to go see him you know I, I met him online or whatever and it's that guy martin do you know him that he's uh like from europe and he taps a lot he's a he's got like hundreds of millions of views on his videos mm. you guys know this guy i'm talking about he's like from eastern europe i'm Good sure looking if we kid. saw I'm sure we've seen his, everything uh, he does is, is double handed slapping on an acoustic and tapping. And mm-hmm. so he's kind of doing Stanley Jordan stuff, but he's doing like full, mm-hmm. you know, really impressive type stuff. And so, you know, I met the kid right away. He's like, he was like 16 or 17, you know, backstage <laughs> at a booth. And then he, he played in the booth and you know he played right in front of us. I mean, it was just like, amazing you know yeah. but then i see you know it's like he, he's probably got a billion views you know i have clients that have like a billion views on their videos it's like wow so um yeah I, I, if you don't have that and you don't know what kind of attention comes along with that or who's contacting you or whatever mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I can see why that makes sense so i'm not savvy on, on how that's happening with the kids and so i think what you say is is very important and, and legitimate and it's not so much for them to understand what i'm saying it's more for me to understand what you're saying yeah man so thanks our times, <laughs> our times have changed they have but but the heart of it should, the, the 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 heart aspect of why you do it that should be timeless so that's that that kind of goes back to the point I was trying to make. I just want the person to love what they're doing and be okay with that. Just be okay with that. And then if you then everything yeah. else is a cherry on top. Oh, of course. And and we all yeah. we all know that you know if, when you first start playing an instrument, you know, that first riff that you learn, mine was smoke on the water, of course. Mm. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, a power chord? I can move that. You know, and then learning how to palm mute, I was like, jin, everything, jin, 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 jin. Do listen to this, calling your friends over, dude, jin, jin, jin. You know, just... game changer. Game changer, man. Once, once the palm muting came in, I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. I, I on my record, I thank the guy, my cousin, who showed me my first bar chord. So it's like I, I get it. You awesome. learn one one of those things, and you're just like, you're off. Do remember you're that? Just, remember the first bar chord, and you're like. Oh my God. Oh my, yep. f- my finger. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll play bass. Okay. <laughs> Bar chord. Yeah. Wait a minute. I have to. I have Going to back fret, to the tambourine. I have to fret all six strings at once. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so where where can uh where, where can everybody go to um check out your new record to um you know well thanks yeah, so so craigparkeradams.com is where my that's where my music is at um and then also um I, so I have my new record which is Vistali Buell and then there's a page on there for Vistali Buell explaining that whole journey as it pertains to Ed and then there's also a page on there for my Van Halen-esque demos that I did that got me the attention of the news desk and all of that back around 2008. Those are also on that same site. And then um, if anybody's interested in my my business type stuff that I do, all the records that I've done, producing, engineering, and all of that, that's um, you can also get to that from the site. And that's, I mean, if you just go to craigparkeradams.com, that'll take you to what's called Winslow Court Audio. That's the name of my, my business, Winslow Court Studio. And um, all the records I've made over the years and everything. And there's tutorial videos and little explanations of things. And I mean, it's a vast website. There's a lot, lot going on with it. So, so that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Cool. Awesome, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I dude, I, I like your website. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of cool oh, stuff there. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Sherman Callahan. My my personal site's pretty basic and simple, but if you go over to the studio website, that's just page after page after page, and it just, I mean, it, it's it's endless. I, I did a lot of work in, in with in the twenty some odd years that I had my studio, and and I never wanted to have a studio and and record other people. That was not part of my plan. I just made a re I got a studio for me. I made a record. And all my friends started asking me if I would record them in their band. And then it was just like, mm -hmm. I guess I'm going to do this. And I le left my job. I was a guitar tech for a company. And then I left and then just started for 20, 22 years straight. Just record after record after record, session after session. I mean, amazing. Yeah. And in the heart of Hollywood, no less. So it was just, just the clientele was anything and everything. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. So my, my next record won't be anything like this one. This was the gum on my shoe kind of from the childhood that where I needed to take responsibility and complete it. So I'm like a bucket that's overflowing <laughs> with, you know, and so I do all sorts of different styles of music and things. So, and play so, all so, sorts of different. So safe to say your next record won't take as long as your, as the previous. No, it'll, it'll go quick because, you know, I, <laughs> one of the things I, I had to do, no, I would, I would cut records, write songs, cut records um, in a day for, they would need to get done. So it's like, I have no problem doing that. I can work extremely quick and just spit it mm -hmm. out. But the reason this record took so long is because it was for the reasons before is like I needed to kind of synthesize, well, what was it that I learned? And then also it was important to me that every single note mattered to me. And 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 it, every note on this record is, it takes me back in time to some, like I can see something visually happening in my life. So it was cathartic. Um, and it, and so it took time to, to be able for the note to appear. If you could think of like, um, trying to turn a lump of coal into a diamond, you know, it doesn't just, so sometimes you can just create something, spit it out and it's like, Hey, there it is. Right. But this record was not that. So I look forward to doing just that where it's just like, Oh, let's just write a tune, you know, go ahead, do it right. Record it, blah, blah, blah. And it comes out. So that's, that's where I am now. Cause I've, the weight is off of my shoulders, you know, with the responsibility for, 
to what I said when I was 12. So now I've done that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I hope to, to do some touring of this record and, uh, and just getting out and, and, and playing it. You know, I think it's a, it's a killer set for me. And I, and the whole point is I wanted to, to make it so the live, the live version would be way better than the record. That was the idea. So I wanted to make a killer record. Yeah. But, but I also wanted consternation on the record, you know, where there's a little bit of tension, you know, and you can feel it where it's just like, oh, you want it to like bust free and just, and that was the idea is like, cause live, it would just crush it. So that, that's where I hope to take it. Awesome. I should and say, hopefully it will it'll, uh, influence yeah. and, and impact I someone so. like you were impacted by seeing music when you were that, you know, young. That that would be a dream. I mean, I've 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 gotten some really great reviews from all sorts of walks of life, and so I'm excited and grateful for that. But it, exactly, I mean, that's really what I wanted to do. I just want somebody to just go, okay, you know, I, I get it. There's and just respond to the purity aspect of it. You know, I describe it as like a single malt, like a forty year Scotch kind of a thing. It's it's a purity uh -huh. deal, and and the purity is in each and every Pure. note. And if yeah. it, and it's and it's talking to the listener at a DNA level, which is why I, I tell people for the first listen, I say you only get to hear it for the first time once. So listen mm -hmm. in headphones and just absorb it because I'm talking to, I'm talking to you at a DNA level, whether you know it or not. You're, you're, hopefully your body will understand that. That's what I tried to do. So um, at the face level, you're not going to be bedazzled and like, oh, amazing licks and that. That's it's just not that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have weight. Or, or merit you know what i'm saying so but right yeah yep. that was that was the aim you don't mix single malt with coca-cola no <laughs> no you don't <laughs> so cool yeah awesome man well hey craig um it looks like everybody had a great time and th they'd like to see you come back soon so It'd be my honor, and I appreciate. Yeah, sure. I, I'm so glad. to Thank Greg Renoff uh, for for uh, connecting us. Thank thank you, Johnny, for for reaching out, and for Kurt and Jay. And I appreciate everybody's. I appreciate the conversation, and I, I appreciate the respect and love for Edward. You know, um, I just at the end, it all goes back to him and what he did for us, and what he's doing for us now. And I love that. Mm -hmm. He's he's uh, he's wherever he is. And we're here still trying to live up to what, you know, to live up to what he left us in some way. What For, for each of us, it all means something different. But I just don't think we could add a better example in our lifetime uh, from an artist. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be sitting here shooting the shit. <laughs> one and right. Van Halen. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. I wouldn't know Jay. I wouldn't know Johnny. And think of how much better your life would be. If you yeah. didn't know me or Johnny, would be pure <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're lucky for sure. But yeah, it'd be it'd be my honor to talk at any time, and I appreciate uh, and and uh, um, hopefully uh, we we'll get to uh, meet at one of these Nam shows or some other place on down the line. But uh, yeah, man, I I enjoyed the conversation yeah. very much. It was awesome, man. Yeah, and yeah we'll, I'll we'll I'll be, be down there. You. I'll be down in the first week of June. Thank you, so. Kurt. Great. 
Yeah. So yeah, just yeah. If, if and if it's not there, you can still yeah. We can coordinate or whatever. So if you're ever in the mm -hmm. area, okay. uh, that would be cool. And also too, I was going to come back up to Carmel. Uh, so when I do, uh, you're not that far away. So if I'm up in the San, uh, Santa Cruz area, oh, you know, just half an hour. It's nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. close. So. <laughs> That's cool. We got options. Yes. Jay, where are you? Jay, where are you? I'm in Little River, South Carolina. Nice. So I'm, I'm, oh. I don't think I'm anywhere near you guys. Uh, yeah. Is, is the Little River band from where? By design. From? Uh, are they? I was told they were, but I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I honestly don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Cool. <laughs> well, I, I hope this, the viewers, somebody got something out of it or enjoyed it at least, you know, so I had a good time. Yeah, and we hope we obviously hope that a bunch of people, you know, watching, and obviously this thing is going to be up on YouTube forever. So hopefully, uh, you know, enough people will go check out your uh, obviously your new record and um, your studio and, and yep. all that good stuff. And um, you know, yeah, beautiful. Onward we go. Yep. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And don't right, hang, don't hang up. up. Yeah, don't hang up yet. Stay here. Thanks, everybody, uh, for watching. Thank you to our channel members. You guys are awesome. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow night on Saturday night with your host, John BL. That's him. And uh, <laughs> quality awesome. stuff. Yes. Saturday night. I love that. Saturday, yep, Saturday Night Live is well, quality stuff, just like Kurt's internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rock on, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. John Bean TV. Bye bye.